Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, hi, hi there. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? Fran, how you doing? Pretty good, man. What's up? Not much, you know, just uh, living life. Life is... Life is interesting. Life is good. You yeah. know, you know, uh, just trying to get by day to day. Yep. I am stimulated. Mm. Round of applause for myself. Okay, I like you know, uh, I did not uh, buy zebra steaks like I had planned to originally. I, you know, I. At, since you didn't flex, I was like, you know, I'm going to go put this away. Yeah. I don't need to take That'd this. You know, people going down to Miami going crazy, you know. Wild. That's <laughs> insane, bro. It's like, riot, like they're riot partying. They crazy. got curfews in place and everything, you know. But, you know. Uh, you you a, a, a fourteen hundred dollars in this economy, you can get a plane ticket to a nice little trashy city, and you can afford to run the bar tab up a little bit. So you got a bunch of eighteen to twenty five year olds, and it's spring break. Do we though? Do we need to do that? No, 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 no. Well, we we don't need to do that at all because like you know we're still in the midst of a pandemic. We're trying to get out of it properly, and situations like that are, are not helping. You know, because yeah. those if you go down in Miami and uh. You know, you pulling your dick out on Biscayne and you got your butt cheeks spread <laughs> open and they pouring champagne down your butt. You have no quarrels going back home and just hugging your grandma. Yeah. Like it's like you're you're like, this is over with. So I'll go home, see Nana right after right, fresh off the plane, and you go hug all these old people that you should be concerned about. I have when I see that footage of them people acting like that down in Miami, I go, they are gonna come right home, kiss their nana right in the mouth. It's gonna be, you know, yeah, and, everything's gonna spike. Yeah. It's gonna be, but it's like It's my concern for sure. Yeah, but if you have a, if there's a curfew, if there's an eight o'clock curfew, at in, that, but no, Fran, in Florida, in Florida, y'all, y'all are acting too crazy for Florida. The Florida mayor was like, "Hey, man, if you're gonna come down here and act crazy, don't come here, yeah, because we already have enough crazy that's people great. as residents. We don't need any more. Yeah, so that's that. The the mayor had to come out and say that. But an eight o'clock curfew. That if I if somebody gave me eight o'clock, I go. I don't think it's. A, I don't think we should. What's the point of even? Yeah, going down nothing. Even, it doesn't even pop in Miami until one. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? So that's they just gonna be out breaking the rules out on the streets. They running and shit. Oh, it's, it's like, crazy. Oh. It's crazy, bro. Yeah, they twerk running. It's just crazy. <laughs> they like running from the police, but it's fun. But it's we've been cooped up 
cooped up in the in the house for like a whole year. I guess you know these young people are like freedom. Let's go down there and act a fool. Were well, they like, well, but everybody floor, else got a spring break? Why we we about to have? Yeah, I wanna, yeah look, and uh, what I will say is, if y'all go Google or YouTube, nineteen ninety seven Freaknik. You might see your mom or your dad down in Florida acting a fool <laughs> yeah. in '97 with gold teeth and like a Mercedes Benz chain yeah. and some big shorts with a with a flowy shirt. Love uh, '90s fashion, but don't act like uh, I don't want to see nobody that's 45 to 55 years old being like these kids are acting crazy. I've never, nah, bro. I saw the Uncle Luke music videos. Yeah, but it wasn't in the middle of a pandemic. That's the part. That's the part that really. <laughs> yes, no, that's very true. We just so close to we almost we're almost there, bro. I just we're so close to being able to do affirmative murder live. Yeah, and, and y'all want to <laughs> yeah. go down and do Freak Nick twenty twenty one? Come on, they hold us. It's, but the you know the video. I'm sure the video I've seen is the video you've seen. You know the video is just, is it's mainly all African American people. Chaos. And the pandemic is not in the favor of African American. It's affecting people. us the most, bro. <laughs> and it's like and you're yeah, gonna partying? go back and you're gonna hug Come your aunts on. and your uncles and your grandparents and That's it's just not, it's just not smart. What's happening down there is crazy. Yeah. They're jumping on cars. It's just it's chaos, bro. <laughs> I understand spring break. Spring break, <laughs> senior week. I, I did all th- these were these were good times. You, you have good times. It's the summer or spring before your last year. I understand that. But we're so close to turning turning the corner on this whole thing. We're yeah, so but they close, don't. But bro. they they don't they don't have. This is you know I get it. They don't have. They going. Hey, we we not gonna be able to have one last yeah, year. The last didn't one. have one. Yeah, yeah. This year probably won't. Just it is what it is. Y'all it's just, like the y'all pot, just the not, pot it, boiled out. The pot boiled over. Sorry. The pot boiled. Well, it's not sorry because they're doing it. The pot. Yeah, well, the pot is boiling over, and they're not trying to hear that. So, I don't know, bro. But that's it's it's it's, 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 it's just crazy to see that. Shit. Yeah. It's just wild. Um, but anyway, in other news, uh, I, I, I've let people know in some tweets, I did uh, uh, slash my finger open pretty decently. I'm doing fine. Mm. My fingers are in splints made out of potato chip bag uh, yeah. clips. I was going to ask, was that homemade? Yeah, it's homemade. Okay. I, I, I refused to go to the spot. I just talked all this shit, and I was like, I'm not going to the doctor yeah. and letting them put stitches in my hand. Give me disease stitches. Yeah. No, but I it's that's not the reason I didn't go. The reason I didn't go is because I felt like it was a shallow cut and I could do it at home. Okay. And it, I just You did what at home? I just bandaged it up, oh. cleaned it. No, I didn't stitch my oh, hand up. No, no, no. It doesn't I don't think it requires <laughs> stitches. It's a yeah. shallow it's a shallow cut. Don't get me wrong. What happened was, you know, I'm a great dog dad. Mm-hmm. So I went, bought my dog a nice little treat, mm-hmm. came home excited. Come on, baby girl, I'm open this up for her, give her the bone or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, and I got the, you know, the little culinary box where you got all the knives and mm-hmm. you got the big knives and the scissors, the scissors for the opening the meat packages and then the steak knives. Yeah. I was like, you know, how the toys when I was a kid, now they, they don't, they used to have the little twisty things. Mm-hmm. You can untwist those and unwrap, untake the, the package off from oh, the yeah, toy. Got you, yeah. But now they do like uh, zip ties. Yeah. So I was like, nah, that's going to need something heavy duty. But this knife is not sharp enough. I mean, this, these scissors aren't sharp enough to cut through this plastic. Let me grab a steak knife. Did you try? No. Since I just you cut. You just got to bend it over. I, I, yeah, I just excited. I know now. Hindsight, <laughs> I was like, nah, but she needs she needs to feel this right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she needs these vibes now immediately. I gotta I gotta open this up. Let me get to this. And Sierra was like, oh my god, because uh, I was coming out from work. She's like, oh man, I, you know, I can't wait for you to get that done. I gotta show you the room. I did some reorganizing mm. the room. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrap. Mm. And and I opened it. To my credit, I did get the thing off. But it like went off and then got my middle finger the, and my the knife. Mm-hmm. The 
the teeth part too. Like it's the steak knife with the with the uh, divots in it. But you cut it. How did you? I don't understand. I cut down. So almost like I was shaving the uh, the skin off of a lime. Like I I like grated my I grated my oh. finger. So I went on a on a downward angle down my middle mm. finger and my uh, ring finger on my left hand. And immediately I was like, oh, mm. and she was like, ha ha, yeah. Are you okay? Because I didn't say I didn't scream or anything. Because I've been through it. <laughs> I lived life. You know, this this was nothing to yeah, me. Yeah. But my hand did immediately start to gush blood. Damn. So I went over to the thing I'm washing. And she's like, are you? Did you cut yourself? I was like, yeah, I cut myself. And she's like, oh my god, because it's like blood Everywhere. coming. Oh man, it was blood pouring out. Why didn't you cut up? Why don't? I don't well, I, it was so tight. I, usually when I do this, I do have a technique. I know it sounds crazy, but I come in. I go in the loop. Uh-huh. And then snatch backwards. Yeah. But on this, the, the loop was so, it was such a small zip tie that the, the knife wouldn't be able to go in the loop. Mm. So I had to try to cut it like on an angle from the outside. Mm. And I got right through it, bang, went through my fingertips. And then immediately uh, I was like, I, we got to wrap this up in something. I put mm. two Band-Aids on it. Band-Aids puffed up with blood. I mean, it just, so we had to go get gauze and everything. There's pressure on it. Yeah. 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 It was, you know, but eventually Jeez, it, it slowed down. And now what it is, the problem is, is that it's on an angle. So it's we had to, we got to get some. She, Sierra's out of uh, out of the house right now. She's getting some like liquid stitches, mm-hmm. and then I got to split a uh, stent in my hand so I can't bend it because mm-hmm. every time I bend it, it takes more time for it to close up and heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be probably about a week before it's like a fit all the way closed up and healing properly because yeah. I keep you know so I, I got to try not to wiggle my fingers. Mm. But you know it's cool. Uh, the Shadow Puppet Regional Finals have been pushed back due to COVID. So thankfully, I don't you know I don't that, know what that is. You know I do shadow puppet. No, I didn't. I didn't know you do that. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm, a, I'm very big into the shadow arts, and they pushed the. They pushed it back, thankfully, due to COVID. Mm. So I got some time to recover and come back strong. Okay. You know, yeah. deuces up, deuces up to the one up high, because that would have really crushed me if I wouldn't have been able to participate in that. Okay. Um, but other than that, life's 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 going. Good. Yeah. Good. But you know, um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the events of uh the past week down in in Atlanta. Uh, there was a tragic shooting, a domestic terrorist, yeah. uh, we will call him what he is, uh, went and shot up like three Asian spas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some victims of Hispanic eth- ethnicity. Uh, there was a various, a couple of uh, outliers in there because the, the, the victims were Asian spa workers. But then in some of the spas, there were patrons in there. Yep. And he shot a couple of patients. There was a couple getting a, mas- a couple's massage that he shot. And then there was a, y- a guy who was in this coming out of the store next door to one of the spas when the guy was coming out and he shot him. Mm. I believe that guy's still fighting for his life. Prayers to him. I hope he makes a recovery. Wow. It's just a tragic incident. Um, uh, I put a tweet out uh, the day after this happened, just saying that, you know, intercommunally Asian and black people have a contentious relationship yeah. and have have for some time uh famously one of the things that sparked the la riots was the killing of uh, latasha harlins but i think this is a time where we need to recognize that you can't be quiet when it's not you 9-11 happens muslims are a public enemy number one they start to face you know media scrutiny you need to denounce all of all of Muslims in America need to come out and denounce Muslims and Islam and the Sharia law and and all of these uh, demands are put on people as if they're guests here. If you want to be in my country, I need you to prove that you are loyal to this country and not to whatever happened over here. You know, the coronavirus happens. 
there's some stuff from administrations that is just terrible. You know, there's all kind of slogans and Kung flu and this and that. And the third, and now it's like Asian American people need to come out and denounce China for spreading the, the Corona. It's like, why do they need to come out and do that? You know? And why is it that something that's happening in something that happened in another country, we can't put a face to the, 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 the people that spread the virus first, but anybody who looks Asian Pacific Islanders, you know, uh, Filipino people, Taiwanese people, all of them have to go, Hey man, fuck China. Yeah. To make you feel comfortable. So it's all these people going around with these preconceived notions and these uh, implicit biases hurting people. And it's everybody's had their turn under the scope. Black people have had their turn, turn under the scope. It always seems to gay people have had their turn under the scope. And somehow it, it always the, the domestic terrorist or the lone wolf or the guy who was having a bad day or, you know, whatever kind of thing that they've made it out to be that it's not uh racism based is, 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 a white male domestic terrorist, you know, mm-hmm. but we don't ever have to go. Hey, white men denounce racism and white men, you know, like, it, so what, what really hurt me about this one was, and it ties into the story that I told this, that I'm going to be doing my affirmative murder this week is that not long after the attack, the sheriff came out and is talking about this dude's having a bad day. And you know, he's a sex addict. This had nothing to do with race even though he didn't go shoot up, you know, uh, some sex workers on the street. He, he went to an Asian target, you know, he targeted sex yeah. Asian. And I don't even know. I don't even know for sure that these Asian women were sex workers. A lot of them were like 70 plus years old. I don't know that for sure. I'm just going to throw that on them. Like, oh, these were all like women that were given rubbing tugs. Yeah. I don't know that that's the I don't know that that's the truth. I don't know that that's a fact. Maybe it maybe it was happening. I don't know. I don't know those those things to be fact. But either way, if the defense of no, no, it wasn't racism. It was sexism and violence towards women. And he was just having a bad day. You know how we all have bad days and it just goes like that. Sometimes I had a lot of bad days in my life. You know, I go out and start a bonfire, burn some shit, drink some alcohol like a normal person. You know, never thought about killing. Never thought about I go have a nice heart workout, go for a run, eat my feelings, you know. Normal shit that you do when you're upset. Never have I gone out on a massacre because I'm just mad. I'm having a bad day. It's crazy. What a crazy defense that was. I've never seen some shit like that. That was absolutely disgusting. Um, But my original point was um, this is a time for, I think this is a time for people to come together and recognize that, you know, you got to ride for people like they're your family. If you see an Asian person being a, the target of violence, you got to step up and say something. If you see a black person being the target of violence, you got to step up and say something. If you see a gay person being the target of violence, you got to step up and say something. If you see women being the target of violence, this is especially because this happens more than anything to me, in my opinion. Every day we see some shit that's like flagrant. Dudes catcalling women, trying to grab women. Say something, bro. What if that was your sister? Yeah. You know? I feel like if we lived in a world where that was more prevalent, we wouldn't see incidences this because people would be ashamed. You know, you let people fester and brew and be in these and live in these lies. Whatever lie this dude was living in his head was allowed to go unchecked and nobody and he brought a he bought a gun day of. Woke same up day. Day, same day just was like, you know what? I'm gonna go shoot up these Asians from massage parlors, man. Fuck this. His anger, he was just having a bad day, whatever they want to bullshit they want to say. He decided to wake up, get a gun, and go to commit that crime. Legally? 
Yeah, he bought it from a gun store. It was it was all like a single fire or whatever. It was. I think I don't know what kind of weapon it was. Could have been I think it was a pistol because uh, it wasn't like it was, it was a pistol. Yeah, I don't think it was nothing crazy. He went to like three separate massage parlors over a few hours. Hmm. Matter of fact, while one of the crimes going on, or what they was at the one of the massage parlors checking out the scene after the crime, they got the call that he was across the street and just shot up the one across the street. Hmm. You know, so you know, I don't have the the solutions and the answers to all you know to anything at all, but it feels important to say something. Yeah. You know, because if I want to say how, you know, my black life matters and I want people to step up and, and, and speak because it's important to speak out. Can't just stay silent. Cause it's not you as comfortable as it is, as convenient as it is. And we, we did this, we did this to white people all 2020 read a book, go do this, learn about that. Well, this is the moment for us too. Everybody should be doing this. Yeah. Black, white, Hispanic, Muslim, whoever. Asian people are going through something right now. Victims of violence, their elderly people are being attacked. Uh, uh, a, a, an elderly Asian person probably isn't is an immigrant. Probably is their dominant language is, you know, whatever country that they're from. Mm-hmm. And so when you see them, they don't feel, they feel even less American. Because already... If you're not white in this country, you always kind of get treated like a guest. Yeah. It's always like, well, in my country, that's how you get. When you get faced with racism in this country, it's always like, you better do X, Y, and Z if you want to live in my country. Mm. As if I wasn't born here. Or as if Jeremy Lin wasn't born here. You know, as if they are your guests. You aren't supposed to. You should be honored and privileged and know your place if you want to live in my country. Yeah. That's how people are faced with racism in this country. Yeah. You never really feel like it's your country. And then they wonder why people don't have pride. They wonder why people aren't like, man, I, the flag, I love the flag. I love the national anthem. Because you don't feel like you are, are uh, this is yours. You feel like a guest here. Yeah. So when you're made to feel that way, I think it's interesting. You know, I don't know. I haven't heard of a, a bunch of incidences. I feel like whenever I see incidents of like uh, a young Asian person, involved in these incidences that have happened is it's always verbal mm. you know because they can they can respond back to you like hey man what are you talking about get out of here because they are american they are a first generation american they were born here they speak english they know how to confront you they understand that you're being rude to them they understand that there's a, there's a conflict happening and this that is racially based where an elderly an elderly korean person or an elderly Thai person or elderly Filipino person might be like, I don't even know what the fuck is happening, but you don't want me in your space because you think I have the coronavirus or whatever. And there's some language barrier and then it it escalates. And then this person just hauls off and it turns into a fight and you're beating up an elderly person. Yeah. And I could be wrong. I don't want to say like, I haven't seen any young people that are, you know, everyday American people who happen to be Asian haven't been victims of violence. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I've noticed that it's a lot of elderly people that are Asian that are being involved in these attacks. And I feel like maybe the the, the language barrier and the comfortability to be like, this is an old person. Let me, man, fuck them. You feel entitled and comfortable to be like, I can, I can handle this. And they're a threat to me because they threaten my country with their coronavirus. You know, it's a whole, it's a whole psychological bunch of elements playing a part. And it's just, it's, it's really fucking tragic. Well, you I, wonder why, though, you know, some people feel that way. I mean, these, you know, what, Americans, they go, um, well, you had the virus and because mm-hmm. you had a leader in place that was yeah pushing this narrative. And then you got groups that's going, yeah. And then you got yeah. 
people that's going, hey, man, you should do that. And yeah. then he wakes up and goes, let's do it. Yeah. And then does whatever, commit whatever crime that he does. For sure. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. Uh, it's scary, man. It's, it's when you hit, even if it's not, you know, your race or whatever. Yeah. And you hear you wake up to stories like this. Absolutely. And it's one of it's like one of the days where you go, wake up, get on social media, and you go, wait, what? Yeah. And then it's all over the news. And it's like the f- and it's like, well, the weather the weather's starting to get nice. Yeah. More people's about to be outside. Yeah, exactly. Crime, especially in Baltimore City. Yeah. Crimes go crimes, uh the percentage gets, goes when up. When it gets warm, when it gets warm, people start acting a fool. And when you're the when you're the when you're a person whether you want to blame the media, if you want to blame social media, if you want to blame memes for people feeling terrified, not just like the actual incidents that happen. Yeah. If you want to blame like, oh, people feel like victims because the media is making them feel like victims. Whether that's the case or not, Asian people are going to weapon up. Korean yeah. liquor stores and Chinese liquor stores and all these businesses are going to weapon up. Yeah. Because they don't feel safe. When mosques get attacked in America, they put security in place. They pe- people start wearing uh, weapons on them, you know, and that's out of fear for your life, you know. So as a person who understands or or feels like they understand what it's like to be somebody who's other in this country, when you see something like that, I'm not Asian, but it is like, man, when is somebody going to wake up tomorrow and be like, man, you know what, man, fucking black people. I just watched all that footage of them down there in Miami animals yeah. i'm just going out and killing black people today it's hard to not feel that way bro same that same that shit that happened in el paso texas some dude just was like man i'm going to this walmart show he's mixing people up man. yeah they immigrating here whatever type of narrative he they heard they were like nah it's, this today is the day so imagine how hispanic people feel right you know it's like because they get you know they get it in a whole type of way of of like they're taking over. Yeah. You know, like, you know, it's, it's, it feels it, you know, if you are, if you are the person who, who, if you're a person who feels like I'm American, this is my country. And then you walk down, you go down a block and it's like, oh, this shit is a whole Hispanic block. They got the taco trucks out. People speak, it's a, you know, you walk into the stores, they speak in Spanish. It's like, oh no, nah, this shit is, uh, this is over with. Not, not in my country. Well, based on the numbers, cause I wanted to look it up while we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's getting, the numbers of Hispanics are going to go up in like the next like forty years, and the and it's de- the numbers of the whites are decreasing yeah. by like thirty percent. And you feel you feel the yeah. you feel the fear. Mm-hmm. And my po- my point is, I don't think this country should be a melting pot because a melting pot impo- implies that no, you lose all your intrinsic differences and what makes you unique. I just feel like we should all blend together and get along. And really, at the end of the day, we're all people. And that's, I like to feel like we could get to that point someday. But when you see stuff like what happened in uh, in Atlanta, it takes you back a step where you feel like, I don't, well, I don't we're still, know. We're still not there yet. Got a long well, way to go. A long way to go, but also it doesn't help when every now and then you get somebody that has a huge audience and a, a huge voice talk crazy shit. Absolutely. And then... Then the conversation need, starts all over. All know, over again. Yeah. Then you And maybe you need... Only ten people that go, yeah, yeah, and then that ten stays at twenty, and it, it just it just grows. But it only takes this one person to have a huge audience, a huge voice, for sure. That's the leader of the damn the country, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. and then he's, and then you don't hear he's you, you know we're not hearing from him in a while. At least I haven't. Yeah, and then this happens, and then it goes back to well, this is from what this guy did mm-hmm. his four years in office. Yeah, so 
And then it also doesn't help when the yeah. media is like, well, it actually, I know what y'all think, but it actually wasn't that. Yeah. He was just having a bad day and he's really, a, he's a like a sex day. addict. It had nothing to do with those people being Asian. If a Muslim person went into, oh my goodness, uh, I don't know, what, a bakery. I don't know white people, a common white people business. I don't know, a bakery. Let's say yeah. a bakery. If a Muslim person went into a, ba- a bakery and was like, killed everybody and all of them were white, that would be called a terrorist attack. And if he just was like, Man, you know, I just been gaining a lot of weight the last couple because months, and I just been eating all these stuff from these bakeries. I just don't like uh, pastries. Yeah, they would have been like, "Man, hang him." Yeah, you know. So, nine eleven would have been the first thing that came up on the news. Oh, a thousand percent, the narrative would have been completely different. So, um, <laughs> he said, "Hang him." Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, it would have been no. It would have kill him. I, I just, I'm obese because I eat a whole bunch of donuts. Yeah, no, nah, okay, rape no, terrorist. Yeah, no, nah, kill him. They'd have, they'd, they'd have killed him oh, in some, like what? immediately. It would have been no trial or nothing, you know. So, um, and a guy, of course, obviously, I have to say, like that's that is uh, I'm speaking. That's hype, I'm being hyperbolic, and yeah. that's that's you know, I'm, that's an exaggeration. Right. But I'm just saying, like that's how it feels in this country. It feels like you. It feels like the double standards are so blaringly apparent. Yeah. That it all you can do is just be like, this shit is absurd, and all you can do is make comparisons. If you sub out this race for that race, change it around a bit. Change some of the titles in 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 the article. It's like, oh no, that's without that's unequivocally a hate crime. Yeah. But in this, it's like, yeah, no, he was having a bad day. He was going through a lot of stuff. You know, he lost his job, and he's really a sex addict. So that's why he shot. He went to all Asian sex parlor. It had yeah. nothing to do with them being Asian. And it's like, maybe we are getting somewhere. Yeah. And then it's like this happens, and like, mm. but again, I want to. But all, it, I'm, I'm saying it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. No, I, I agree. Oh, okay. I agree right. with you saying, but oh. my point is, what I'm saying is, I agree with what you just said. But now in this time, now Asian people are talking, and we yeah. need to listen. But I'm saying, regardless, it doesn't matter. I'm talking. I'm, I know I was talking about just African Americans, absolutely, just, absolutely, just in general. Yes, yeah. But I'm just saying now, right now, they're they're speaking. Yeah. In the same way, we wanted white people and yeah. and 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 Asian people and Latina people to listen to us when we were talking. Yeah. We need to be listening too. What do y'all need? What is happening? How do we combat this? What are the stereotypes that are being, you know, put forward that are causing these things to happen? How do we break this narrative of Kung flu and Corona China virus? And how do we help? What, what can we do to help? How do we make y'all feel safe? How do we do that? That's, that should be our mission right now. And it shouldn't be like, Oh, well, where were they? Cause that, that I feel like, you know, black people been through so much in this country that I feel like we have a tendency to be like, oppression y'all want to talk to us about oppression and, and it's like no bro it's like yeah we've been through stuff but they've been through stuff too and yeah. we should listen it's not it shouldn't be this no nah, let me trauma compare no. y'all didn't go through this it's, and it's like no they're going through something let's listen let's try to help let's be there for people and let's try to understand what's going on period it doesn't need to be like well i didn't see them out there at the marches when i was there, when george floyd and it doesn't need to be that. Let's 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 all try to come together and help each other out. Period. Yeah. Shout out to Jeremy Lin because it all started when he said, it "Was like, hey man, look, I'm, I got to speak on this now." I'm Jeremy nobody Lin. Was, nobody because he has a voice too. Yeah. Fans, whatever. So we had to. I'm Jeremy Lin, and yeah. I'm catching this shit. They yep. talking this shit to me on the court, and that's what I mean by like he's young. He's in the NBA. Nobody's. Oh, he's not. In, he's in playing basketball professionally in some capacity. Nobody's gonna haul off and punch him in the face on the court about the coronavirus. 
but he is catching the vitriol yeah. of the narrative of the China virus and all of that stuff, you know. But nobody's hauling off and hitting him in his face, but it is affecting him directly. Yeah. And so he chose to use his voice and his platform to elevate the conversation. Yep. And then in the midst of the conversation happening, when people are like, is this happening? I don't know. Is and this even? Look, and then this happens. And he like, so. I, we've been talking about this for the last two <laughs> weeks. You know, we've been talking about this for the last six months. We've been talking about how dangerous it is to to, to make kung flu like a common uh, phrase, yeah. and you know, or build that wall a common phrase. Everything is every. It's it's crazy that you have these conversations and you see it play out, but when they first kick off, it's like, oh, y'all are being over exaggerative. You know, when you see the build the wall comment. And it's like, well, we're just talking to illegal aliens. But then they have footage of kids in elementary schools being chanted that at lunch by other kids. Oh, you I see know how, that. oh, yeah, man, oh, that. man, all that build that wall and get out of here and all that shit trickled down. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm, yes, I'm Mexican, but I'm American. I'm, I've, I've lived here. I'm, bo- I was born here. I pay taxes here. I live here. I have a social security number. Why are you telling me to go back to where I'm from? I'm color. from Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. You know? Because you look like those other people. Exactly. Yeah. So this is it all. Everybody has their moment. Yep. And it's so sad that that's the case, but it, it's, it's the truth. You know, Muslim people, some one week, one month, one year, it's Muslim people. Then it's Mexican people. Then it's Asian people. Then it's black people. You know? And it all goes under. It's all from the same umbrella of ideas. Yeah. But which also, is also, white supremacy. Yeah. Also, um, I think that the minority should, like you said, we should like we shouldn't combat when they go. No, we shouldn't combat that, but we should all come together. But also, when it's like we we when we have these our own fights, so say yes. the Black Lives Matter, yeah. But you know the Asian Americans are going. You know they can go. Absolutely, it's, it's not. It's, it's not, not. It's not us. It's not us. Yeah, yeah. It's not us. Absolutely. But, we should change that. Yes. Because that's not going to, we're not going to get in the way if we all just like fighting our own separate battles. Yeah. It's kind of like us against them. That's kind of, it's, it's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. But, and also, I also, I just want to make it clear as well. There's white people in that fight as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's for white sure. people that's like, that's racist as shit. Fuck yeah, them. You sure. know what I mean? So yep. we're, you're, we're, we're talking about combating a dying ideology yep. that's fighting for its life to stay alive. To, to, to racism and the yeah. country to be a certain kind of way and you need to fit these norms and, and, and you can't be who you are. You need to fit into this box. I think that is a dying belief. Yeah. But it's it's not dying without a fight. For sure. So we need to fight together. Well, we're way ahead than we was 50, 60, Absolutely, 70, bro. Absolutely, bro. I live a... And I, and I just also like to... I also like to make it clear because I never... You know, nobody can ever tell me about my life and my path of life but i live a good life bro yeah i live a nice life i have a nice job you know i'm, I'm happy I'm, I'm engaged same with you you got mm-hmm. a family we are two people who are black men who are living a nice life but it could be tomorrow that we just we just are in come face to face with the wrong person at the wrong time yeah and all they see is this all yeah. they see is your skin tone they make a, a blanket uh, judgment about you and your life would come to an end and 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 I don't and and I don't know how to come to come to grips with that. All I do is I just go. Well, I'm just gonna keep living my life and yeah. and be the best person I can be, and just try to stay out of all the mixes I can. Yeah, I stay. I don't go anywhere that I don't need to be at, and that's all I can do is live my life in that way. Do I live in fear? No, I would absolutely not say I live in fear. I live in awareness for sure. And yeah. I think that there's a lot of people in Good this country who don't have to live in awareness. Yeah, and if you don't know what it's like to not have to live in awareness. Maybe you should just listen. 
and the people who do know what it's like to live in awareness, don't compare your struggles to other people to try to diminish theirs. It should, you should listen. You should go, oh, they struggle too? Let's, okay, how do we fix that? Yeah. Oh, we struggle against each other sometimes? Because as I, saw, I said before this long-ass rant, which we're going to bring to an end, as I started initially, it was saying black people and Asian people have a long history of being in the same community mm-hmm. and kind of button heads a little bit. But Asian people have kids, black people have kids, generations grow, people grow up together. I have Asian friends, you know, black Asian people have black friends. This is a, the 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 youth can be the generation that goes, oh, dead all of that. Yeah. Let's go to the Asian Lives Matter rally and and stand up with the with the homies. Let's go to the Black Lives Matter and stand up with the homies. Yeah. That's the time that we're in. This is the time not to become a melting pot, but to just come together and coalesce. I love dumplings. Oh, I love fried chicken. Let's. Oh, where we kicking it, man? Oh, oh, your shit is cool. Your culture's cool. Let's learn how to do this TikTok dance together. I love seeing that shit. That's how the world should be. Yeah. You should be able to be yourself, come together, click up, have a good time with people that are, are, have different ideologies than you. You learn from them. You take them back to your people, and you grow your own people. Yeah. Hey, I, I, you know how Asian people do this. We should maybe you know try to pool our money in this kind of way too. Oh man, black people really focus on making sure people feel their culture and their vibes. Like we should be proud of our culture and our vibes too. Let's put that shit on display. Yeah. And you learn from each other and you grow. That's how the world should be. So, I mean, you know, it's been a long rant. We probably went all over the place. Hopefully, the, some of the words that we said clicked to some people. And if and if you got anything negative to say about it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what what I said that could have been taken in a negative way. But if you if 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 I offended anybody, you know, you know my DM. You can DM us. You can let us know what happened. I don't know. Anyway, friend, we do have some quick celebrating to do before we take a break. Oh, um, very quick. This oh, okay. was a very very quick uh, week. Uh, this matter of fact. The song is going to be on for probably about 20 seconds. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, up first, uh, much praise, much love to uh, Ash K. Shout out to you. Looks like she's doing a thing where she's got her fist, her fist on her chin, doing like a, a Shirley, a Shirley, uh, what's that? What's the little girl? It's a hard knock life for us. Annie. She's doing an Annie thing. Okay. Uh, up next, we got IVS. Shout out to you, IVS. Salute to you. And lastly, we have Aaron M. That's it. Okay. That is the end of the. <laughs> that's the end of the shoutouts. All three of you. That's amazing. This was a short week. A lot of stuff going on in the world. Not surprised. You know, yeah. people don't want to fucking watch us eat Kit Kats on on Patreon this week. I, I fully understand that. But shout out to everybody that joined the Patreon. Much love and appreciation. What we're gonna do, friend? We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I believe it's your turn to um, yeah. tell us some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative murder is brought to you by the Social High Five. During 2020, we all had to adapt to some very unexpected conditions. It was no different for us sports fans. We're all anxiously looking forward to the time that we can reopen sports bars and stadiums, but COVID, flu, and other health risks are still very real. Now, though, there's an awesome new way for fans to cheer on their team and still keep their hands germ-free. With the Social High Five. Made from a sturdy, light, and easy-to-clean styrene, the Social High Five straps to your hand with ease and allows for a hygienic hand slap after your team scores a big goal, makes a massive play, and hopefully wins the big game. The company actually sent Fran and I a couple of Social High Fives, and while I believe podcasting is a sport, Fran has asked me to stop using mine to slap his butt because, quote, this is not basketball, man. We're talking into microphones. End quote. Give the sports fanatic in your life a helping hand with the Social High Five. Just go to social 
H-I-G-H, the number five, dot com, and order one today. I think this will be a fantastic product for sports bars or even sporting organizations to just have ready for when fans come back, when patrons come back into their businesses to say, hey, we're still following the guidelines. We still want people to be safe, but it's okay to celebrate and cheer when your team does something awesome. So again, go to socialhighfive.com and get you one today. And tell them Affirmative Murder sent you. All right, back to the show. My Affirmative Murder this week is the story, it's the unsolved story of Clifford Clifton Walker. Hmm. So born in 1927, Clifton was the last of nine children. Mm. Despite being the youngest, Clifton's siblings respected him, and he would often intervene when his siblings argue with their wives, telling them not to speak to their wives that way. His family called him Man, and the nickname stuck. The Clifton, youngest of nine. The youngest of nine. Oh, yeah. my God. He was probably kind of like the big brother of, of, of all of them. Saying, yeah. Hey, man. Either, do even so, you know he's not getting any of the egos, none of the bacon. Nine children? No. Yeah, no. He's getting you're all getting the scraps. scraps. Yeah, you're not getting <laughs> He's getting all the scraps. So Clifton met Ruby C. Phipps while walking home from Sunday school and married her two years later. That's that old type of yeah, fucking. Yeah, now this is the one. How y'all meet yeah, type yeah. shit. That, that don't happen too much nowadays. Yeah, we got married that yeah. day. We've been together for 65 years. Yeah. <laughs> These times now is like, before you meet in person, we already know each other. We already yeah. know. I didn't stalk you, you, like. you on Instagram and everything. <laughs> that's why today is a cheat. Yeah. I don't respect anybody that's like, oh, I'm a player or any of that goofy shit today. Like yeah. now these kids, because you got time to formulate what you're going to say through the text messages. You can look up what they've liked on Facebook and be like, you know what? I love strawberry ice cream. And they're like, oh, my God, me too. That's crazy. And like, yeah. man, I, got, I'm I, I didn't already figured you all the way out. Yeah. And I got time to craft my... These kids don't know what it's like to be on the phone and a girl's like, so what do you like to do? And you got to be like, uh, um, yep. I like to, you know, play video games. Yeah. They're like, what? You know, they don't know what that's like to have yeah. to come up with that shit on the fly. And you can put up this disguise too. So you can go. Yeah. You, you take all the best pictures. Shit. Yep. You, yeah. can, you can say shit that you know, hey, that you, that's going to get them. Oh, that's yeah. Gonna you like, get know me. it. That's going to get my foot in the door. Yeah. You can delete it. Like, no, that's not the one. Yep. Let me change that to word to this. Nah. That's when you say, <laughs> I got the gift of gab in 2003. It's the truth, and everybody knows it. <laughs> it was kids in the sixth grade that just could know how to go up to the crib. Like, What's up? You yeah. Know, you want to go to the skate land party? Yep. Tonight? Just knew how to just talk to girls and be slick. Now you just can just formulate your shit. Yeah. You know, let alone back in 1975. Facts. If you had game back then, it was a whole different meaning. Whatever they saw... Is this who you are? Yeah, every day. Oh, he wears <laughs> he wears fly clothes every day. Yep. Now I saw a picture of him in his best outfit, <laughs> his be and he will repeat that outfit several times. You take a picture. You got your hair cut. Oh no, uh -uh. they gonna see you facade. at your worst. Yeah, yeah this, like, yep, this is sure. a facade. <laughs> um, so he joined the army during the World War during World War Two. His daughters, Catherine and Shirley, recalled their father. Father made sure that the family was always well taken care of. That's just what you did, bro. Yeah. So they owned, um, they owned a gas stove. It's crazy me. He shit. Is that like fancy? That. That's like, a flex. Yeah, you see shit like that. You like. <laughs> so wait a minute. You don't have to throw coal in this. <laughs> no, nah, you just click the burner. And the fire comes right on. That blew somebody's mind. When yeah. you, this time that you're reading that. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said it's funny. Yeah. For them, for them to, like, the flex that is like, yeah, you know, we we had a gas, we had a gas yeah. stove. You know how it was. Like, is this an ice box? <laughs> it's just ice in there. We y'all got a washing machine? <laughs> y'all got to hang it out? Y'all got to wait? Wait, you don't have clothespins in here? 
You don't have. You telling me you don't have a string in your backyard? No, it's all open. We put a slide no, back no. there just because we didn't have to hang clothes back there, yep. so we got all kind of space for activities. <laughs> yep. So they they own the gas stove. They have they had a washing machine, and the family maintained their money their money well. Mm. In the 1950s, Clifton served in the army again during the Korean War. Wow. However, a knee a knee injury set him back home, and he started working at the nearby international paper paper plant about 30 miles north of Woodville in southwest Mississippi. Oh, Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> uh, so in the days following, uh, um, in the days following the funeral, I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get to what happened. Oh, story, but okay. you can tell exactly, you know, um, just by those words, yeah, you know, what happened. Uh, yeah. So during the days following the funeral, Ruby had a mental breakdown to the point. This is his wife. The point that she did not recognize her children. Oh wow. Ruby eventually recovered, but she had to take a medication to sleep each night until her death in 1992 at the age of 65. So the youngest of Clifton's children. Um, a son, Cliff Jr., was ten at the time of his father's death, of his father's murder. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And Catherine, um, also mentioned that her father was the kind of man, um, a son should have, a son should have really known and have and have in yeah, his life. Yeah. Um, Catherine says that she has managed to survive, saying her father is the main reason she is alive today. And she said, "quote because his memory meant more than me than I meant to myself at one period." Overwhelmed, overwhelmed with depression at times, she felt it was a bitter, bitter struggle actually dealing with God because he could um, he could have prevented this and he didn't. Mm. Nevertheless, she continues to believe justice is possible. Um, also saying that no justice has ever happened in dealing with my father and it doesn't. And if it doesn't happen during my time, I'm afraid it's never going to happen. And that fear is something That's... you could you could never try to think of and try to put yourself in that position. No. Cause I don't know how I would feel to have uh, a, a parent or a sibling or a friend, whatever it is yeah. that somebody's close to you to go. I'm here fighting for justice and I may not get it before my time is up. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't know how to deal with, you know, being in a situation that, you know, I could die and never to see the, the, the end of what yeah, my fight. To fight. Yeah. You know? That's, that's heavy, bro. Especially, you know, we, t- we talk about true crime stories, albeit in, the least professional way you can imagine. You know what I mean? Like we're not experts (laughs) in this shit at all, but you come across these stories that are absolutely tragic. And what's not talked about enough is the family. Yeah. To be somebody. It's one thing to be like, Oh, it's crazy. Like that guy had a promise in life. This guy was a war hero. You know, he took care of his family Family, and he died. That's so tragic. But imagine being the kid of that person who died. Yeah. Imagine being the sister of that girl who was horribly raped and murdered, you know, and you got to live with that and you're trying to fight and and it's an unsolved murder, you know. So that's why I always am like, I understand how the true crime entertainment thing can rub people the wrong way because it feels like you might be being insensitive to my my brother. Yeah. You know, so that's why I always try to do this shit with as much respect as we can. I never would want to come across as being disrespectful to somebody because there's people out there as tragic as these stories are that we're reading. It's like somebody knows this man. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's 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 a rough one to de- when you said that it's like, damn, yeah, like to be out there fighting to try to find out what happened to your loved one. It's like th- based on the pace, I might not never see this shit, right. but I'm not gonna stop though. Right, exactly. Yep. Uh, so MHP, MHP is, um, the Mississippi highway patrol. Mm-hmm. So MHP began in, um, it, its investigation into Clifford's murder by inter- interviewing patrolman Palm tree, who was the first law enforcement officer to respond to the crime scene. Patrolman Palm tree reported that. Are you saying Palm tree? That's his last name. Palm tree. That's a stupid name. 
Like a palm pa- tree, like a tree? It says, it says, no, 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 I'm sorry. It says patrolman palmer tree. Oh, palmer tree. Palmer tree. That's not much better, so, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's made that much better. <laughs> uh, patrolman palmer tree reported that Prentice flagged him. Prentice, this is another person. Mm-hmm. Prentice flagged him down at approximately 1 p.m. on February 29th, 1964, and told him that there was a dead man in a car on poor on poor house run. I'm sorry, poor house road, um, north of Woodville. When Palmer, when Paul, when when Patrolman Palmer Tree arrived at the scene, he noticed that Clifford's body was slumped in the right of the driver's seat, with his feet under the f- under the f- floorboard. Mm. Under the floorboard, Patrolman Palmer Tree. I don't know why they keep saying that. Patrolman Palmer Tree stated that all of the windows of the vehicle were shot out, and that several shots had been fired into the body. Mm. That several shots had been fired into into the body. And Patrolman Palmer Tree further noted that shotgun shells and uh and wadding were found in in Clifton's vehicle, which remained in high gear despite the fact that the engine was shut off. And you said he's in the right seat, so the passenger seat. He uh, like I don't know. That's always hard for me to tell because he was he was. You say he was slumped to the right of the driver's seat. Oh, okay. with his feet under the f- the floorboard. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, got it. So um, which re- so, so he was in the driver's seat, but, but he leaned in over the, into the passenger yeah, seat. Yeah, okay, I got it, got it. Uh, yeah. So he's saying that which the car <clears throat> was still in high, it was still in gear, still yeah. in drive, but the engine was shut off, and the keys were stuck in the dashboard compartment, which is weird. Yeah. Um, stuck in the dashboard compartment, locked in the compartment. Locked in the compartment, but the compartment was 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 open. It was swinging open. Yeah, I don't know what kind of vehicle this is. It doesn't say what type of vehicle this was, so I can't really even picture picture or, or yeah. even Google what you know, type of vehicle he was in. Um, so this, the so inside of the compartment was a 30, 38 caliber Smith and Wesson four inch barrel chrome plated firearm. So the M, the MHP next spoke with Sheriff Netter, Netterville, um, who surmised Clifton. Had been dead approximately twelve to fourteen hours when when patrolman Palmer Tree arrived on the scene. Sheriff Netterville also reported that Clifton's wallet with one hundred forty eight dollars in cash was recovered from the scene. So a lot of money back then. Yeah, uh, wasn't wasn't a, a robbery situation yeah. if he still had his wallet with money with in it. Uh, so at approximately seven thirty p.m. on February 29, nineteen sixty four, MHP investigators were able to view Clifton's body, noting that it appeared that. A full load of buckshots entered just under the left ear, appearing to fired, appearing to be fired at a very close range. Mm. Another load appeared to have entered Walker's chin and mouth on the right side, tearing away parts of his mouth, chin, and neck. Oh my God. So these were They shot him with a shotgun from close range. Shotgun. Like probably went up to the window, and that's probably what shot him over into the yes. into the passenger seat. Yep, because it hit him in his ear also, went through his ear and like his mouth and chin and yeah. his neck was was Gone. I mean, it sounds like a gunfight. Like the, I mean, like for all, all these bullets to be everywhere, and then somebody came up and and finished him off. That, I mean, that's what it sounds. Finished like. him off. Also, now I think about it. Maybe he was reaching for he his would, gun. And, I was about to say that yeah, yeah. he could. It could have been slumped from him just being shot. Obviously dead. Yeah, yeah. Also, him trying to get what he was trying to get in the glove box, the glove compartment. Yeah. If the keys were in the lock, like if he had to take them out of the ignition and the the glove box lock, because mm-hmm. you know. I don't every glove every glove box has a key lock on it, but you know, maybe his was locked because he had a gun in it. So he had to take the key out mm-hmm. and then go over to try to reach to unlock his glove box to grab his gun mm-hmm. while he's in the middle of a gunfight and he and maybe he unlocked it, but then, you know, he was dealt a final bl- blow with whether it was from these buckshots or from something else. So maybe he I wonder his, how long maybe his keys my what I'm saying is maybe his keys were in the key 
keyhole. Yeah, I just so this was in the sixties, so I don't know. Maybe I don't know how long when keys for the compartment came into like a, a thing. Uh-huh. Maybe they always I don't know, but maybe I'm thinking that the gear is in the next to the next to the um, the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. So only thing I could think of is him. The car was off at some. He turned the car off. Mm-hmm. Maybe hit the gear, which means why it was a high gear. Yeah, and him trying to lean over and get the key into the glove department with it open. Yeah, it's probably why. The gear, the the car was in high gear with the car being off. Right. The what's that? The center console. He could have leaned over, hit that. Yeah. You know, could have been a whole bunch of for stuff. For sure. So the car was probably off. He was just trying to get to his, get trying to, to get his to, piece. He's yeah. trying to get to his piece. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So MHP focused its investigation on trying to find out a motive for the killings. According accordingly, so MHP interviewed people who worked uh, with and knew Clifton in effort to develop leads. Um. So during this interview or whatever investigation he was doing, there were names that was redacted yeah. in the closing memorandum. So I'ma just say I'ma just say blank or I'ma just say this person. And that's what I mean, because the person they, they're talking about, they the name is not in the um in the article. Got it. Uh so MHP interviewed people who worked with or knew Clifton in, in an effort to develop leads. So many of Clifton's co-workers reported that although the international paper company had recently integrated its facilities, there, there was no known conf- conflict between Clifton and any white workers. Uh-huh. Many of Clifton's co-workers had a favorable, favorable opinion of him and could not think of any, could not think of, of a motive or anybody hating him or any right. fights that he had at work. So MHP interviewed, next interviewed some, uh, some person who was the last known person who was one of his co-workers who was an African-American person, mm-hmm. the last C. Clifton, and advised that he was very close to Clifton and that he would have known if Clifton had trouble with anyone. Indicated that on the night of Clifton's murder, he rolled home with Clifton. Um, they carpooled home from work, mm-hmm. which was approximately one mile north of Poor House Road. So poor, poor, per the closing memorandum, the carpool refers to a place where people would drop off their vehicle. So they carpool to a spot where they usually meet up and where they hop in one car. Yeah. So they, they drove together to that spot and then... Whoever this person was that he knew got in his car mm-hmm. and then Clifton went on by his way in his car. Right. So um so they dropped so he would they would drive to the place where the carpool people would meet up. They dropped him off, um, their vehicles before carpooling with one another to work. From there, Clifford's friend followed Clifton down Highway 61 until Clifton's vehicle turned onto Poorhouse Road mm-hmm. and did not know, and he said that the person who we're talking about did not know who killed Clifton. So at some point they Clifton went right. I'm just saying he yeah. went right. And then this other person and that was went the last he saw. And that was it. Got it. So as MHP investigation continued, investigators learned of rumors that Clifton had been talking to a white woman and that some white men took offense to this. It appears that MHP attempted to su- substantiate these rumors, but the remnants of their case case files show a disjointed, disjointed investigation that failed to produce enough evidence to charge anyone in the murder. Sounds like sounds to me, uh, they didn't even really dive into dive into yeah, yeah, detail yeah. with that. So MHP seemed um, a little bit interested in learning more that about Clifton's interaction with white men and, and women at the at the Nettles truck stop on Highway sixty one, six miles north of Woodwood. Now they said this happened at the truck at the at the carpool carpool spot. Yeah. 
So one former employee at Nettles, at Nettles Truck Stop, a white 40-year-old woman named Gardalyn Vines, reported that in September or October of 1963, Clifton commented to her, I sure does like you. Mm. Gardalyn reported the comment to Mildred Nettles, who was the wife of the owner of the truck stop, Jenny B. Nettles, and Jennings told Clifton to get up and leave and to never darken the door of the place of business again. Darken the door? Never heard of That's that. That's some next level shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's some throwback racism. Never even heard of that, that phrase. That's like some, this sounds like some Emmett Till shit. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Garlden also reported that Mildred had told her that Clifton had tried to run Mildred into a ditch on Poorhouse Road. There's no evidence of this happening. Yeah. But they were saying that uh, he tried to attack her. Well, sounds like, it sounds shit. like they're painting a narrative. Yep, for sure. Like, I mean, I don't know how he died, but he's actually a very dangerous person. Yeah, yeah he, he attacked me. Yeah, he tried to uh, talk to one of the women here, white, one of the white women or whatever, and mm-hmm. he tried to attack me at, when I told him to leave yeah. the truck stop. So she was talking to one of her employees. She was taking one of her employees home when Clifton's car almost ran, into, ran her into a ditch on Poor House Road. Mildred, Mildred reported that she knew it was Clifton's car, Clifton's car, um, because her employee remarked, there goes that damn smart Alec Negro Walker. Yeah. Which is wild. For, you know, and, it, I, and I just happened to remember this. So yeah. clear, clear as day. I remember, remember my, I that remember that said. was him exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately afterwards, Mildred drove to the truck stop and told her husband about her encounter with Clifton. Mm-hmm. Jennings and Mildred drove back to Poorhouse Road to look for Clifton. But by the time they arrived, he was gone. When MHP interviewed Jennings, he said that Clifton was a good Negro with whom he had no complaints. This is the husband? Yeah. And this is unsolved. Yep. Yeah. Okay, because this, I mean, it sounds like this was them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He was a good Negro. It's like, that is something you would say to when they're looking for the murderer of the guy that died and the last person, th- there's a story that like, oh, he hit on your wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't have any problems with him, though. I no. liked him a lot. He was a good guy. Yep. Didn't you come looking for him, though, after your wife said he hit on you? Yeah, yeah, but I was just coming to say, hey, man, you know, we're buddies. That's my wife. I don't know if there was a misunderstanding. Sure. But I just want to let you know it's my wife. So, like, you know, maybe don't hit on her next time. That's all. I don't I even coming. think if that was if that was the case and that's how the interview went, I don't think it even went that far. Oh, was, of course not. They were like, oh, no, he was good. He was a nice guy. Okay, uh, oh, cool. Scratch it. him off. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so the investigation files uh, files at the time noted that noted that while this incident could have provided Jennings with a motive, MHP did not uncover any evidence linking him to Clifton's murder. However, it appears that no efforts were made by the MHP to, hmm. account, to account for Jennings' whereabouts on the night of the murder. Well, then hmm. how much uncovering were they doing then? Yep. I wonder why you didn't uncover any evidence. So MHP further inquired about other alleged inappropriate interactions Clifton may have had uh, with white women. Sheriff Sheriff Netterville notified MHP that he had information that some person was over was overheard on the telephone trying to get Doris Dover to accompany her on a Negro a Negro date. What the fuck is that? Date with a black person? I don't know. Oh, I th- I thought that was like a type of date, like you know, like dinner in a movie, you know. Oh, dancing, oh, dancing. Oh, maybe I just Negro, I, I Negro looked at date. it as like, hey, I'm going on a date with a Negro, so I need oh, you to okay. come with me, accompany me on this. Oh, like third wheel to a Negro date? That's what. That's how I took it. Oh, wow. I could. You could be right. I could be wrong. You know. I, I don't mean, know. We could be both. We could be, be both wrong. right. I don't know. Yeah, we could both be right. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. A Negro date. A Negro date. 
So MHP followed up on this lead by briefly interviewing, I'm sure briefly interviewing David Vines and the woman whose name was redacted in the memorandum. David recalled that one that on that day before his murder, Clifton showed up at Rita at Rita Lee Dover's home where he was invited to come inside. Mm-hmm. MHP recorded no further information from David and his relationship to Rita is not specified in the investigation reports. MHP also interviewed Rita and her father, noting that there was no evidence tying them to Clifton's murder. So uh, the person that overheard the telephone conversation, the name was redacted, uh-huh. who uh, was interviewed, but MHP concluded that she was not connected in any way with this case. Despite the information received by MHP relating to Clifton's interaction with white women in the Wilkinson County, which could provide a motive, the only suspect identified in MHP's report were Carl, Cav- Carl Cavan and Prentice Mathis and Red Metcalf. The only mention of Carl and, and Red in the 32-page report from MHP is a single paragraph that states that uh, that states that some person was with Carl on the night of Clifton's murder at approximately 1 a.m. and appeared to be extremely nervous and drinking and drinking fairly heavily. Um, so further reported that Carl had been in the company of Red and around 10:30 p.m. that evening. And, and was seen within one mile of the murder scene, despite listing, despite listing the three men as suspects. MHP never interviewed Carl or Red, and there were no other information contained in their report linking Carl and Metcalf to the murder. MHP wow. closes its investigation without making any arrests. Wow. So they found these dudes a mile away. Name them as suspects. Name them as suspects. A mile away from the, the murder scene at 1 a.m., at 1 a.m. Sounds like there were multiple types of gunshots into his car as well. And one of them was drinking and was nervous, but they wasn't interviewed or was suspects in or linking them to the murder at all. Wow. They didn't even interview him. Yeah. Like, there wasn't even no interview. Uh, so in 1964, there was an FBI investigation. So after learning of Clifford's death, the FBI opened a case to provide limited assistance to the sheriff's office and MHP. So basically, the FBI was just like, we're going to oversee whatever you guys are doing, mm-hmm. and then we'll, if we if we need to step in, we'll step in. Right. So the FBI monitored and tracked the information they received from MHP before ultimately closing the case when no um, prosecutable suspects were identified. Mm. The FBI? Didn't oh, like wow, no. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2009, the FBI initi- initiated a review of the circumstances surrounding Walker's death um, to the Department of Justice Cold Case uh, Initiative. This, FBI, like, this went great. They yeah. did everything they were supposed to do. Yep. It was They went above and beyond. A plus. Yep. So the, the FBI uh, reviewed the original 1964 FBI case files and conducted research to determine whether, uh, whether any of the individuals identified by the, M- the, by the MHP were still alive. Prentice, Red, and Carl were determined to be deceased along with the other with other witnesses noted uh, in the preceding paragraphs. So everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. On September 27th of 2010, the FBI con- contacted some person who indicated that he had information regarding Clifton's murder. So whoever this person was, his name was redacted. Mm-hmm. Recall that he observed GB Sproul's name never came up in the initial uh, investigation yeah. from the 60s. So uh, it recalled that he observed J.B. Sprawls sawing off the barrel of a shotgun. 
JB had been flagged earlier in 1964 and uh, investigation as someone who Clifton may have had contact with, but no, but not further information was provided. So they asked, they asked this person, asked him why he was doing so to which Sproles responded that he had something to do and then shooed away whoever told the story. So he was yeah. like, I'm doing something. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to die. You know, this is some dude on his deathbed, old, trying to, you know, make Get some, make some rights, shit. make some wrongs right, some goofy shit like that. Yeah. So when this person heard about Clifton's murder a few days later, he thought JB's, JB was probably involved. Um, later, he heard talk, later he said, later heard talk between, talks between um, the adults that Clifton had been killed because he was going with a white woman. He also heard that the gun used to kill Clifton was thrown off the Mississippi River Bridge in, Natch- in, in uh, Natchez. So further reported, so this person further reported that JB was as sorry as the day was long, but did not elaborate, Man. yeah, did not elaborate further on the remark. <laughs> so stated, so this dude stated, this person stated that he would not be surprised if JB was involved in the murder. JB died in 1996. Wow. So on February 14th, 2013, the FBI located an interview, I guess another uh, person that... Redacted. Yeah, another person that redacted who had some type of information. Interviewed um, her, which is a female, mm-hmm. about Clifton's murder. Was uh, similarly re- referenced in MHP's 1964 report as an individual who had information regarding Clifton, but no information was gathered as she stated, I know too much about this mess and I ain't... And I ain't getting, and I ain't gonna get involved. Why wow, those those two statements like, contradict each other? I know all of this, and so I'm not gonna say anything <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> I'm not getting involved. In this. <laughs> so she told agents that on the night of Clifton's death, she was in Louisiana with her boyfriend and did not learn of the shooting until she arrived back in Centerville, Mississippi, follow, the following day. Upon returning, she learned that the law enforcement was looking for her because they believed she had information about Clifton's death. She reported that she left Centerville because she did not want to get involved with like what? That's crazy. Somebody comes out and says, I know too much, so I can't yeah. I'm not getting involved in this. And then goes, I left yeah. because I, too much I shit am, was going on. I am the missing piece to this puzzle. So fuck this puzzle. Goodbye town. Right. And then you come back a couple days later because you knew what was going to go down and you wanted to come back a couple days after it happened and go, Hey, I don't I don't have anything to do with it. That's crazy. So she said she left. Um, she left Centerville because she did not want to get involved with the investigation, even though she had no knowledge of who killed Walker. She further noted that she was interviewed in Louisiana shortly after Clifton's murder by local investigators. She explained to investigators that she did not know who killed Clifton. So the beginning in the fall of 2010, FBI was in contact with Ben Greenberg, a freelance journalist who was working on gathering information regarding the Clifton regarding regarding the Clifton and other civil rights era victims per the closing memorandum from the fall of 2010 through summer of 2011, Ben repeatedly sought to exchange information he had regarding Clifton's murder to assess the unredacted FBI information. Ben was advised that he was not able to trade information for the access to unredacted FBI files. In July, 2011, Mark J. Keppelhall from the U S department of justice sent a letter to Ben requesting any information that he had related to Clifford's murder. Ben never responded to the request, and in July of 2012, he published an article 
um, in the Clarion Ledger to detailing his investigative efforts to additional, no additional leads were identified in Ben's article. So he did his research and was like, hey, I'll give you what I know yeah. for the names that you guys redacted from the investigation. And they said no. And they said no. And he was like, well, I'm not giving you, they wrote him again, I'm not giving you shit. Yeah. So I'm going to write my article and I'm going to put my article out. I'll just have to leave the names redacted. Yep. So the Department of Justice closed Clifton's case after noting that that the matter does not constitute a prosecutable violation of the federal criminal civil rights statute as there are no known victims, I'm sorry, no known surviving eyewitnesses, no available physical evidence to review and no living suspects. Because it took 50 years. Yep. So now I want to read uh, Ben Greensburg investigation that he put um, in the Clarion Ledger. Okay. So the preceding paragraphs, uh, the preceding paragraphs um, relayed the information providing provided in the FBI's closing memorandum. I found Ben Clarence's ledger article and no, this is the person that wrote this article, mm-hmm. um, article and noted that Clifton's daughter, Catherine Walker Jones, received a letter from the Justice Department that the case had been closed, which is, I I think is totally disrespectful. Yeah, call me. Right. Or let's do a meeting or something. Yeah, just like a just like a templated letter, like dear whoever, dear uh, to whom this may concern. Yep, the matter is closed, and just that, and that is just it. Then no, no, contact us for any. I'm, I'm sure that wasn't at the bottom of the letter or anything. They probably didn't even put down who wrote the damn letter. It's just yeah, person from I don't know the PD MH, MHP or yeah. whatever. So Catherine Walker Jones received a letter from the Justice Department that the case had been closed. However, she was surprised since agents. Agents investigating the case had never spoken to anyone in her family throughout the whole investigation. Wow. Catherine also said that she has been disappointed in the manner in which promises were made. And we've seen this, heard that plenty of times. Mm -hmm. Promises are made by the Justice Department to families that have not gotten closure for the death of their loved ones. It's like you make it sound really make it sound real good with the cold case initiative. But there was no uh, substance to it. None whatsoever, she said. She further she further remarks no one did any time in jail for killing a human being, a father, a husband, an American citizen. A war veteran. A veteran. Yep. You have people going to jail for killing dogs today and there was and there he was a human being. In contrast to the FBI's con- contention that no additional leads were provided in the article, Ben's investigation reveals that a mob ambushed Clifton Earl, Earl Walker Sr. on Poor House Road. There was believed to be the first slaying by Mississippi's homegrown white knights of the who? Ku Klux the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan. It appears FBI was aware of the news, of the news article, but it is unclear they followed up or follow up on the leads noted within. I'm, I'm 100% that's what happened. Yeah. Per Ben's investigation, Clifton was driving home when the mob stopped his car. This on black the dirt guy road. having the audacity to talk to these white women. Yep. So the mob stopped his kinda, car. Kind of sounds like a hate crime. Yep. Uh, stopped his car on the dirt road off US 61 near Woodville, Mississippi. The men surrounded Clifton and shot him repeatedly in the face. The international paper plant was known as a hot a hotbed for the Ku, the Ku Klux Klan recruitment. The white knights of the KKK are believed to have been responsible for, responsible for at least 10 killings, including the 1964 killing of James Cheney, Andrew Goodman, and Michael Schwerner. So, wow! This dude was mobbed by the, the the KKK. Where he worked was a recruitment hub for 
the KKK. And I wonder who they asked like when they showed up to the job. Like, so is there is there like racism here? No, no way. Like everybody loves that guy. And, and, yeah. and they go. Everybody loves Clifton. Everybody loves. He was a good Negro. I mean, he was a good person. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. I had no problems. Not no uppity at all. You know, kept kept the smell of his uh, oils and his chicken down. And they're like, all right, cool. Because you're talking to another racist person. Yes. This police officer, I have to, you know, it's Mississippi in the 1960s. So he's like, yeah, what you just said isn't problematic at all. So, okay, he was a good Negro. Because he used to that talk. So it's yeah, like, it's like oh, all right, nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing to it. yeah. He wasn't too uppity. We, yep. had, you know, we had no problems with him. We'd let him eat lunch near us. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, he got his job done and we got our job done. Now, was his job done less, like, at an inferior level to ours? Yeah. But, I mean, it was adequate, adequate work, you know. <laughs> Poor lazy Negro. But, uh, yeah, he was fine. And they're like, all right, cool. Well, there's no racism here. Yep. So, yeah. You know, that's crazy. Yep. So after Clifton's body was found, three of Clifton's brothers-in-laws drove 55 miles south um, to Baton Rouge to see Ronnie Moore, who was the Louisiana field secretary for the Council of Racial um, Equality. According to FBI documents, the three men talked to Ronnie, and he called and told the, bur- the burial that, Clifton had been murdered and local authorities had done little to solve it. On March 1st, 1964, FBI agents reported reported meeting with Ronnie and three men. FBI headquarters responded the next day with an order to contact the sheriff to determine the extent of any investigation and to send the burial copies of any local newspaper coverages of the murder. The FBI opened the case, closed it in a few Closed it a few months later, then briefly reopened it before moving on without resolution in December of 1964. What was the whole point of that? At which point, MHP also closed their investigation. They've been to that before they even yeah. went out publicly and was like, we closed it. The, and uh, the 2009 FBI investigation reviewed the 1964 files of both the MHP and FBI and determined there were no viable suspects. And Clifton's murder remains unsolved today. Yep. So that was the uh, unsolved murder of Clif- Clifford Clifton Walker, um, who was found dead, I believe, shot by the KKK because of him maybe saying some words to white women. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and word spread. And then he works at a place where a hub, you know, a for, hub of recruiting, recruiting for clan KKK members. And they stay, which is kind of hard to believe. Is like, I think what happened was uh when he maybe he did talk to say something about a white woman and then uh you know they told whoever they told husbands or whatever mm-hmm. followed him. Yeah. Maybe they was attacking him. Maybe that's why he probably did try to drive them off into the road. Mm-hmm. Probably followed him days later to see what route he takes. Sure. For them to stop him on his way home. They know where he works. They know they knew exactly where he was gonna be yeah. and the way he was gonna drive. Mm-hmm. And when they once they saw him, they did what they they wanted to do kill him, and that sounds that sounds like a perfectly fine like, um, theory to me. Yeah, you know, they go get who, you talk to the wrong white woman. Yeah. They go get their husband, who's like a wizard or whatever goofy shit they have as their titles in in the clan. He's like, oh, not my woman. Gets the they, they get in their car, they go track him down to whatever, and then he's like, get the fuck out of here. Maybe he does drive them off. That's the what road. I mean. You, you know? probably yeah, tried to sure. fucking attack him. Yeah, like <laughs> that's crazy, that's but. So this is that Clifford uh, Clifton Walker found murdered in his car on February 29, 1964 in Woodville, Mississippi. It was a close case under the Civil Rights Division, um, the Emmett Till Act. Um, so, so they failed. They didn't. They this no. this they didn't solve this. Nope, didn't solve this. Is this is still an unsolved murder? 
Um, and will remain so. I mean, everybody's everybody in the case. Yeah, everybody's gone, and I don't, I don't know. I don't have any further information about his daughter and his kids or whatever. But um, yeah, man. Yeah. Any questions? No. Okay. Not at all. No. If I did have them, they won't be answered because this this can oh, never yeah, be solved properly. True, yeah. So yeah, tragic, man. Rest in peace to um, Clifton Clifford, Clifford Clifton Walker. Clifford Clifford Clifton Walker. Yeah. Well, very tragic. Um, allegedly, and based on the the story that you just told me, it sounds very likely that he was the victim of yep. um, racial violence and a hate crime. Yep. So rest in peace to him. Prayers to his family. Imagine you know. not being able to tell a woman that, you know, I know the words were different. Sure. Maybe he could use better words. I don't no, know. No, I understand. I, th- I hear what you're about to say, yeah. but imagine being murdered for hitting on a woman or complimenting a woman. That, that is crazy. You know, like, regard. I don't know what he said, Right. But, like, whatever he said was just words. And whether he was a pig about it or, you know, forward or complimented her body in some way or whatever the case may be, it wasn't like her husband was like, he, he wouldn't have taken it to that level if it was a white man. For sure. It was the audacity of this Negro yeah. to speak to me. Yeah. That was her reaction. And then she went and told her husband, and then that was his reaction. So the idea that speaking to a person, let's just frame it that way because yeah. I don't want to say... You know, I don't, I, know saying, what I, don't, he, I don't know. I don't know but the words he used. Whatever. Speaking but. in a person's direction. Yeah, you being murdered potentially is what ended this man's life. That's insane. You know that you can't talk in a person's direction. That probably not even gonna happen. What? Him talking to a white woman. Something who, probably gonna yeah, happen at work. Who like, could have yeah. been. Who knows? We we yeah. we're, it's all speculation. Yeah. And guess who gets to dictate the narrative? The people who didn't get that didn't get murdered. Yeah. All the people who were potentially in the Ku Klux Klan and lying to detectives and excusing themselves and leaving town and, you know, redacting them, being redacted from the files. All these people get to, like, throw these little things in there. Oh, he rode runner off the road. He was hitting on uh, women, a Negro date. All this just weird shit. And then that becomes the narrative that this was, this guy was hitting on white women and he had to be stopped because he's just this, this sex-crazed Negro. And he was married. All this shit going around. That's just a In, whole... Interesting, man. It's just a big mess. Yeah. So now his wife has to hear the narrative. Whether, again, I don't know this man. Right. But, right, like, right. the narrative is he died, and he, but he also was this, like, sex-crazed white woman fiend. Yeah. And she has to hear that for however long she heard that for. Yeah. You know? So his kids have to hear that. So very tragic, man. Yeah, Rest man. in peace to him and prayers to his family. Yep. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. And we are back, Fran. My affirmative murder this week mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, you know, we're really staying on brand for the vibe of the country right now. So uh, my story, my affirmative murder this week is the story of the Chapel Hill shooting from 2015. Uh, my sources were time.com, wunc.org, and the New York Times. <clears throat> Yasur Abu Salah was a smart, compassionate, driven, and loving young woman who married a man her equal in Dia Barakat in the winter of 2014. She danced in the arms of her father, looking stunning yet modest in an all-white wedding gown. She uploaded the photo to Facebook on February 9th, 2015, only weeks after her wedding. Everyone looked up to Yasur with genuine excitement, especially her young sister, Razan, who admired her for the role model she had become. Razan Abu Salah, who was 19, 
was an architectural student at, at NC State University School of Design. Dia Barakat, who was 23, was in his second year at the, UN, at the UNC School of Dentistry. Yasur Abu Salah, who was 21, and his wife, was planning to join the School of Dentistry that following fall. So they were going to be this, you know, husband and wife, dentist couple, and her young sister, Yasur's young sister, was in school for um, engineering mm -hmm. or for architecture. So, you know, they're just some young kids on the path to success, doing their thing. Yeah. Dia lived in an apartment complex alone until he was wed to Yasur. Both of their families followed the Muslim faith, and Yasur wore a headscarf. Her family believes that her moving in to the apartment complex was a catalyst for the violence that would eventually overtake the small college town and the entire Muslim community. On February 10th, 2015, Yasur, Dia, and Razan, who was visiting her sister and brother-in-law, enjoyed a nice family dinner together. Within an hour, the three laid murdered in Yasur and Dia's Chapel Hill apartment. Mm. All three victims had been killed with gunshot wounds to the head mm. and were pronounced dead at the scene. According to prosecutors, the suspect shot Barakat multiple times at the doorway after he opened the door in response to knocking. He then allegedly entered the living room and shot Abu Salah's, uh, the Abu Salah sisters in the head, then shot Barakat again before leaving. Mm. So a very rageful killing, intentional, yeah. killed everybody, went into the apartment, everybody got killed. Yeah. All of them were, all, everybody was shot in the head. Craig Hicks, a neighbor who openly despised religion, was the perpetrator and was brought into custody after he turned himself in later, the day, later on in that day. The media immediately framed this attack as a dispute over a parking space. Hicks found a car belonging to one of the victims in what he claimed was his parking space. Then Hicks went to the victim's condo and shot all three people in a confrontation. Uh, what? Over what? the... Over, over a parking space was his, was his reason for being angry and going in to confront. But it wasn't his assigned parking space, which I'll get to. That sounds like what the fuck happened in Atlanta. I know that's why I'm doing the story this week. I mean, just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just like, yeah, yes. yeah. It's like it's like it wasn't racially motivated. They parked in my space. Now, so do I, I hate do I hate religion? Cool. Absolutely, <laughs> but like that has nothing to do with what I did. Right. I did it because I was mad about the parking space, and it's like, okay, well, all right, cool. At least 2,500 people joined the candlelight vigil in honor of the victims at the University of North Carolina at at Chapel Hill the following night. The Abu Salah family, even while still grieving the tremendous loss, were faced with the task of defending their daughters and son-in-law. And in a letter to the public, the family stated that the reason we even have to engage in the, agoni in the agonizing process of defending their characters, meaning the children who were mm -hmm. killed, is because some mischaracterizations of the murder as being over a parking dispute even though the FBI has documented that Yasur and Razan's cars were parked outside of the lot and Diaz was in his designated space. This depiction overlooks the fact that Yasur moved in with Dia and Hicks repeatedly told her he did not like how she looked because of her headscarf. Furthermore, in today's environment of hatred and bigotry towards Muslim Americans, citing the hateful murder of, of our three winners, which is what they despi they depicted their, or they described their children as instead of victims. It was mm -hmm. like this way to 
you know, paint them in a, in a kind light instead of calling them victims over and over again. They would call them winners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, depicting this as a, uh, the situation with our three winners as an ongoing parking dispute is like retelling the story of Rosa Parks civil rights struggle as an ongoing dispute over a bus seat, which I think is a great analogy because what it's saying is, did Rosa Parks get into a dispute over a bus seat? Yes. But the dispute over the bus seat was layered in a caste system that says this white man deserves this seat more than you do. So get up and get out of the seat. Yeah. But if you want to boil it down to something as simple as a bus argument, you can do that. And in this situation, yes, this man did get angry over a parking space, but he got angry over the audacity of these foreigners Mm -hmm. to have the nerve to park in his designated parking space. And there's, there's a, there's a subtle difference there. Why? Because he's entitled to that? Because he's American? Because he's American. I was this I'm American. This is my country. So I How dare this. you park in my space? Yeah. Now is it my designated spot? No. But I'm not gonna go park outside of the complex and have to walk into my apartment. I'm from here. You go do that. Yeah. You know? That was his energy. Now, mm-hmm. we get into some of the complications because this is hard to prove in court if you want to call this a hate crime. Yeah. How can you describe his implicit biases or what he feels internally because what i just said is speculation mm-hmm. even though i it's fucking not yeah it's how he felt so he can say oh i was just angry that they had the nerve to park in my parking space there's rules there's there's assigned parking spaces and then you go okay but he was in his designated spot and the other two cars were parked outside of the lot so what do you mean yeah well my wife was in my spot and i needed somewhere to park my car so he needs to move his car, like you know, you know, and then you start to go. Okay, so it's deeper than. First of all, nobody should be dead because of a parking space. Right. One, but obviously, it's deeper than a parking space sure. if they weren't in your designated parking space to begin with. Yeah. So why are you knocking on my fucking door? It's like a dipping point. It's like it's like I already don't like this shit. Yes, but but now this I'm, shit. Yeah. Now now, now is over now. Now I have to go park far yep. away. Yep. No, not here. Not in America. No. Not when I don't wear a headscarf and, no. and practice that whatever religion that that nonsense. No, not here. Yeah. You move. Yep. So in in closing up the letter, uh, the letter goes on to read. And I, this I really this is important to say. I want people to really hear this. The most important action we can all take right now is to get to know our neighbors. By knowing one another, we can begin to overcome hate and to prevent future tragedies. This is a story from 2015. Mm. It's still as true today as it was six years ago know your neighbor and do unto others the way that you want done unto yourself so i hope people really heard that this case actually ended up testing the limitations of the legal system on the question of when a hateful crime becomes a hate crime north carolina does not have a hate crime statute that would apply to the first degree murder but the family met repeatedly with a federal prosecutor and then twice with his superior at the justice department. The father was quoted in saying the father's whose name is uh, uh, Dr. Muhammad Abu Salah. He was quoted in saying, if a Muslim man knocked on a door and executed a Christian family in their home with no provocation, that would be called terrorism. Mm. But we Muslims are soft targets. In court and legal filings, Hicks, and this this actually ties back into that part of your story about the job. So check this shit out. This is the two Americas thing, so just mm-hmm. check this shit out. In court and legal filings, 
Hicks, who was 50 years old at the time of the murders, the triple murder, was called a white supremacist, a bigot, and a monster. Mm. At the hearing, the state said that they interviewed with 36 neighbors. None of the white ones remembered him brandishing a weapon or wearing a gun. But those who were black or brown did. He blocked the car of a woman of Indian descent and threatened to beat her. He told a Persian man, I am sick of you people. And he used racial slurs against African-Americans. And of course, one of his confrontations, obviously the one that I'm telling in the story, ended in extreme violence. And that was also against brown people. Yeah. So in one sense, there's a bunch of people who go, oh, yeah, no, Hicks. Oh, no, he's great. No problem here. I don't I don't I've never seen him be racist towards me. I bet a white woman. And then there's in the same apartment complex, an Indian person, black people, Muslim people who he, three of them he murdered and had incidences with where he's having all kind of confrontations with them. They're like, oh, that dude's a menace. He's always calling the cops, telling us to turn our music down, yeah. banging on the door. I know people like this. It's never resulted in a murder, but I know, I remember living in neighborhoods where it's just like, he, that guy's always mad about something. Yeah. The kids are playing too loud. They're kids, man. Y'all need to stop walking around here late at night. Turn the shit down. Don't drive down the street with the music. It's like they just they're already they're mad about one thing. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you do, You're taking it out on everything it, else. It's it's something is gonna I'm calling the police. Y'all are over here having a, you know, y'all are being way too loud. It's like it's a it's a birthday party, man. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't Yeah. We'll be quiet before the sun goes down. No, no, no. You need to be quiet now. And I'm calling the police on you. Yeah. you that's know? scary, dude. That, that's some I wouldn't want to be. Cause again, I would move. That one thing. It yeah. Could be, and, that, and he go fucking lose his fucking mind. And, that, and then it can end up bad. Yeah. So if you're if any, we need to stop giving excuses and passes to people like this. Yeah. We need to start calling people out like this because what it is, you just go, oh, they're just crotchety. That's just a crabby, a crabby old racist dude. He's not, he's not bothering anybody. Let's just let him be racist. And all it takes is that one day where, you know, you parked in front of their house. They're not, you're not blocking their driveway. You're not nothing, but you, how dare you park in front of my house? Nah, this is, this is over with. That's what I went with that guy I told you about when that snow shovel shit. Yeah. All that that shit built up over the years. uh And he was like, oh, nope. Yeah. Today is the day. Yeah. And that's what happened in Mm. this story. The prosecution played excerpts from a video of Mr. Hicks confession. In that recording, he giggles after saying that he spent part of the morning playing Assassin's Creed, a video what? game, oh. and boasts of the accuracy of his gun. This is this this is like in the interrogation. He's he he turned himself in. I thought so he he's, was. I thought he was in the murders like a video game. That's why I was like, what? No, no, no. no. Oh. But he's just just casually talking, yeah, just. and the way he's talking is like, yeah, these punks. They were so aggressive towards me and cussing me out and being disrespectful. So the way he's talking is like, you understand how it is. Listen, I, I know I did something. Yeah. I know I did something fucked up, but like they pushed me to this. They were yeah. being disrespectful. They were threatening me. So yeah, so I'm just I'm just having a regular old day. You know, I wake up, I'm playing Assassin's Creed. I'm enjoying my day. And then they come out and they steal all the parking spaces. And then they're like, fuck you and your parking space. That's this is what he said in the thing. He's like, they cussed me out. They were being super aggressive towards me. They called me all kind of names, told me to go fuck myself. And, you know, so I said, if you're going to disrespect me, I'm going to disrespect you back. And then it turned into this back and forth thing. And then it ended up turning into a fight. And I shot him. That was his uh, that was his side of the story. Why? Because he was talking to somebody that he can. He was talking he to Dia. With. Yeah. Well, he was talking to the detectives. Yes. Yeah. And he was like, "I feel comfortable with you guys. You know how yeah, it is. Yeah. This country's the face of this country's changing, man. It's wrong. You know what I mean? And listen, I'm not racist or anything, but like, fuck them. Because they're not going to hold him accountable. That's why. That's what he felt anyway. Yeah. You know, the, I don't know the hearts of the detectives true, in that true. room, and they didn't have to do any work because he walked right in there and confessed to the whole thing. 
And that might have been why he felt so comfortable to be talking about Assassin's Creed and giggling and, you know, just feeling so nonchalant about it and being like they 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 provoked me is what essentially he was saying. Like they provoked me. They 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 tried me. They disrespected me. And I had to do what I had to do. You know, they wouldn't move their cars. And so it escalated. And that's, you know, that's it's their fault, though. Uh, During the encounter, Mr. Hicks claimed that Mr. Barakat, who was Dia, had been full of profanity laden defiance which is what i just laid out he, i mean he in in the in t- i watched the video in the interrogation video he's like he told me fuck fuck me fuck my parking space get the fuck out of my face like he was very like he was he was talking crazy to me and again not that it fucking matters because it's a parking space nobody should be dead over this but he's saying he was talking absolute profanity crazy shit to me and yeah but a situation like this in any situation like this, mm-hmm. uh, it's like how do you, how do you, um, how you deal with that though? Like if you meet somebody that that believes in what he believes in or whatever, yeah. and you go, you know, I I deserve to have this parking space. Mm-hmm. You are a foreigner. You don't belong here. Mm-hmm. You should go park down the fucking street. I should park here. So it's like, how do you? But what, the thing is, what you're saying. You can't prove in a court of law. I get that. Because he can just say, no, dead ass. It was over a parking space. Yeah. You can't prove that that's his feeling in the core of him. Yeah. But okay. But I'm talking about like, it's outside of that. And that's why hate crime is hard to prove in court. Yeah. Okay. Outside of the court stuff. But how do you, how do you. Oh, how do you combat white supremacy? Uh, We don't have the answer. It's been a battle for years. I can't. I I, I don't know how to tell somebody, hey man, we're like on the same plane. No, not that. You don't deserve the country. Not that. I'm talking about you going, hey. All right, man, have the park. You can, whatever, you can have the parking space. Uh-huh. Or do you com- combat that and go, no, I, par- I, I was here first. Everybody, right? But that's, people are people. That's, that's, I don't know. Me personally, if you come and knock on my door and like, hey, man, move your fucking car from in front of the public street where everybody can park wherever they want because I want to be parked in front of my house. I'll tell you, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. But I mean, like, how do you deal so with it? It's not on me to de escalate a crazy person. I get that. But how do you deal with it so it doesn't get worse for some for the, the person that's not going to do it? Because you can I mean, go. You capitulate. I you guess can, you go, I'll move my car. You, but yeah, move, that's going to. You know, as a man, how you would feel if a, even if you felt like this shit is going to escalate, either I'm going to fight over a fucking parking space. And as little, that sounds so stupid, right? You go, I'm not going to fight this dude over a parking space. But the alternative to that is you go, all right, man, my bad. I'll go move my car from the public street to somewhere else down the street. When I just was in here eating my dinner, I'm going to yeah. go park my car down the street so you can park in front of my house. Yeah. And then I'll walk back up here and finish eating my dinner. Yeah. That's the answer. That's the answer to go, oh, I'll give them what they want. I, and that, and then he can go, that's right. And, and, then, and then you, you and reinforce then makes, his feelings. That's exactly what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, you reinforce his feelings. Yeah. But you go, yeah. fucking right, you move your car. Yeah. Because that's my spot. Because yeah. this is my country. Yeah. So it's like... Either you, either way, you're 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 prolonging the feeling because yep. either he gets what he wants and he's like fucking right. right. That's how you got to talk to these people in this country. Let them know, put them in their place, or you fucking have to face violence, potentially deadly violence. You know that's crazy. So it's weird. You run into people like this. I'm not saying this is everyday people. I'm not saying white people are evil, but I'm saying that white people in more than I've never seen a black person just be like yo. This is my country. Get this shit up. I've never seen anybody else just be like, have that kind of feel like this is my home. Yeah. I really, and that's sad to say, right? Like I've been, I was born here. Yeah. I, I, 
I love this country. I, this is like, you know, as, as many problems as this country might have, this is the freest country in the world, or one yeah. of the freest countries in the world. I have all the liberties in the world to pursue my dreams. And although there's a lot of problems with this country that need fixing, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Right. Do I like the vacation other places? Yeah, sometimes it's good to get the fuck up out of here. Yeah. But I love my country. But I don't feel like it's my country. Yeah. I would never be like, yo, let's go up in the Capitol building, man. Open, Hey, man, let, let me up in here, man. Open the door. I never have. I would never feel like, oh, I pay taxes, so all this shit is mine. Yeah. I've never told a police officer, yeah. like, yo, you work for me. Yeah. You, I pay your tax. I n- never in my life. And I'm sure there's black people that might talk to the cops that way because this is a contentious, contentious relationship with the police. But I'm just saying, overwhelmingly, it's a, like a, this is my shit. Yeah. And those are the people, like this guy, Mr. Hicks, who was like, yo, hey, move your shit. <laughs> I'm not walking down the street. Yeah. You go walk down the street. Not in my, that it's like, it's some extra spice. You know, like I don't ever want to be called any kind of racial slur, but if you end up in, and I've, I've been in, I've been in the vicinity of conversations where people put that, that my, on that, my country shit, you, it, it comes off different. You know who you're around depending on who says it. Mm. It's just a certain way. Some, like, it's like, they're saying mine, mine, not yours. Not right. just like my country. I love my country. It's like, get out of my country because yeah. it's not yours. It's mine. Yeah. It's like a different, they put a little extra racist sauce on there. It's like mumbo sauce. Like they just throw it on there as a <laughs> topping. Like, yeah. get out of my country. Or th- you, if you can't do that in my country, maybe you go somewhere else, but not my country. It's like, it's just this sauce they put on it, bro. It's crazy. That was That's how it was when that fucking whole the kneeling shit was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like y'all don't want to do get out of my get out of here. Yeah, it's my country. Y'all don't y'all don't want to listen pay, and follow the rules. Follow your rules or the mm-hmm. rules that we have set for you guys. Mm-hmm. Y'all get the fuck out. Yeah. So remember everything I just said about his interrogation room and how yeah. he was saying shit was crazy and they were talking to him flagrantly. Mm-hmm. A video that was never before made public until the trial that was recorded in the apartment. Mm-hmm. I believe one of the sisters one of the one of the sisters recorded this on their phone was played in the courtroom and it, it picked up after Dia Baraka opened the door after it knocked. So I guess that already tells you, Oh, that's, that's uh Hicks is outside. Oh man, turn your cameras on. He's about to be on some shit mm-hmm. already. That tells you why else, what, what were they just like making Snapchats? They just happened to be recording right when the altercation was about to start. When he hears the knock on the door, mm-hmm. probably what happened was, Boom, 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 boom. Oh, Open the fucking shit. door. So it's like, oh, shit, okay, no, record this because we're going to sue him or some, or call, we're going to get a restraining order, which is something that her one of their the sisters, one of their parents advised because they'd had altercations with this guy before. So it feels like, to me, they were trying to get some evidence. I wouldn't open the fucking door. I wouldn't open the door. But again, it's like, I'm a man. My wife lives here. That shit kicks in. Yeah, you know, it's true. like, I'm. this is my home. Knocking on my door. What do you want? My family's in here. I'm having dinner time with my wife and my sister-in-law. You shouldn't have to be like, oh, no, let me, uh, let's cut the lights, close the blinds. We're just going to pretend we're not home. I'll talk to you through the door. I get all that man shit. No, we can talk through the door. True. I mean, that's true. But that's so easy to say, bro, because I know me. True. You know what I mean? Like, I know me, and if somebody banging on my door, and they're like, open the fucking door up, cussing or whatever any any kind of crazy aggressive knock on my door i'm not gonna be like yes hello, uh yes hello like crack creak the door open you know i'm opening my shit up what, yes you know and that's probably a mistake but it's just like i can i can speak about what's the the yeah. intelligent 
and the right thing to do and what's the smart thing to sure. do. But when you write right in that moment and you're sitting on that couch and you look over and your wife is next to you and your sister-in-law and you feel responsible, like, I got to protect this is my family. I got to protect them. And this dude's coming here aggressively. No, nah, man, what? And again, that's the crazy part because I haven't even gotten into it. He didn't. He didn't do that. So check this shit out. So the the recording it takes place after Mr. Baraka opened the door. Mr. Hicks, uh, Mr. Hicks. So Mr. Hicks knocks on the door on February 10th, 2015. You can hear the following. Hicks, you've got three cars in the lot and I don't have a parking spot. In the video, Mr. Barakat remains polite and does not curse. So he's basically saying like, well, yeah, man, um, I parked in my spot. The cars are outside of, what are you talking about? And he goes, so that he has a brief response to his words mm -hmm. in a polite way, not escalating the situation. And he took those words so crazy and turned them into cuss words and fuck you. Yeah. That's how, that's how little he thinks of these people that the them even defending themselves is insulting to him. Like I just told you you're parked in my spot. Why are you talking back to me? So he took it as such an offense that it became this vitriolic, violent, attack back on him so there's no assigned parking it's there all is assigned park parking so you get one spot you get one spot dia was in his spot no i'm wrong dia and uh yusa yusa parked outside so that her sister that was visiting could park in their assigned spot okay i guess his wife matter of fact they were going through a divorce but they might have been still living together either way he didn't have a, his his spot wasn't available when he came who was in his mr spot? hicks I don't know, mm. but it wasn't them. Oh, oh, it was just he just it's was, them. It's yeah, them. it's them. Mm. And yeah. I guess maybe they live next to each other. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's them. That's who's going to get this today. So it was his. It was his. His reason to 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 have a confrontation. Have a yeah. Mm -hmm. mm, okay, got you. So uh, wow. So so again, he had a and they played the the crazy. They and I get to it, but they played the their families in the courtroom and they play the video of them being murdered. It's a video. Or is it just audio? It's a video, but I, you know, shit starts shooting. It's not like she was holding it's the camera shaking. up at the. But it, you it, can hear the sound. You can hear. You can hear the audio, so you can hear him being like, "Hey, man, we aren't parked in your spot. What are you talking about?" And then right off of that, he goes, "Well, if you're going to be disrespectful towards me, I'm going to be disrespectful towards you." He pulls his gun out, shoots him a couple times, walks into the apartment, shoots the two sisters. Wow. And in his mind, that was like. Oh, he was talking crazy to me. They were laughing at me in the back at the sisters. Everybody was just being so crazy and disrespectful. And all he said was, what are you talking about, man? There is no, no, we're not. You're wrong. And that turned into like the most, the utmost of disrespect. Yeah. So also, I just also, it is important to say, I guess, but not really. Cause like this shit is so, this shit is so um, prevalent. And it, it's like, it happens every year. All these crazy, like, violent shootings and whether they feel racially uh, motivated or whatever, the argument or always you have to go like, well, this person is clearly sick. I mean, he knocked on somebody's door and shot these people three times, but it's like, okay, well then, but like how, how many more of these cases have to happen before we have to say, Hey man, why don't y'all have to come out and denounce these crazy ass white domestic terrorist shooters? Like why, why, why is it always like, Oh, that's just a one-off. He was a sick person something's happening. These people are reading something. These people are being radicalized in some yeah. kind of way on top of having mental illness. But there's so many people in this country that if, if we can just 
you can't just blame mental illness on people going on shooting sprees. I was about to say that. Yeah, you can't just you can't just say that because yeah. there's plenty of people that deal with mental illness who don't and go no, on shooting sprees. Exactly. So there's something else. And I think it's the entitlement. I think it's like this is my country. Right. I don't like that it's changing. The faces of the, of the country are changing. You you turn on the Cheerios commercial. They got interracial couples on the Cheerios. Com- no, this is enough. I'm done. And pepper in some mental illness and some financial hardships and a bunch of other stuff. Fact, there are factors yeah. that can make a domestic terrorist. I'm not refuting that, but like we should, if we can't ever address it, how do we ever fix it? Yeah. And if every time something happens, you go, Oh no, he's a sex addict. Oh no, no, no. He just doesn't like people parking in his parking space. If every time you gloss right over it and you make it out like, Oh, it's not that it might look like that initially, but we did some research and actually he's not racist. He uh, just he doesn't like. Day. He had a bad day. It just this this guy. <laughs> this wild, guy dude. Hicks had a bad day. They actually probably I think they said exactly that in the New York Times article. I think the headline is he killed three Muslim people. But it's was it a hate crime? Question mark. You know, like I don't know if it was a hate crime. I think it was over a parking space. You know, so that was the that was the uh, the conversation back in 2015. When this man shot these three young Muslim college students, it was like, yeah, but no, it was over the it was over the parking space as if that's a justified reason. Yeah. Same thing with this dude down in Atlanta. Oh, no, he's not a racist. He's a sex addict. So he killed a bunch of women. It's not the racist. But that's as if that's like, no, no, it's not that. Don't worry about the racist part. He just is addicted to sex. So he killed women. What it has to do? With, I don't understand that. Even if that was. That's that what they said to us. Is that, is that what you just? That's what they're saying. His his he his a, he was a sex his addict. argument is I'm a sex addict, and these massage parlors, you can go there and get sexual favors done. So I went there to try to eliminate the temptation. But that goes back to the entitlement, wow. Frank. Because listen to what I just said. Instead of you working on yourself, you go. I'm gonna get them up out of here because I'm. It's not my fault. It's that. It's their fault. Yeah. Whether it's women, Asian women, whatever whatever it is, that man said. Instead of working on my sex addiction, I'm just going to eliminate the people. Get them up out of here because they're tempting me. Yeah. It's their fault. They're changing They're changing my life. They're making my life worse. So I'm going to eliminate them. That's fucking crazy. No. Anyway, I got a little. He was shooting people coming out of the store. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. It was, it, he was, no. yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was um, disconnected from reality in, a cra- in a crazy way. I got a little off task there. My bad. I'm going to get back on it. So, like I said, the video played in court of the the murder, mm-hmm. very tragic. People were fainting. It was crazy. I mean, the families were in there. It was an absolutely tragic scene. When asked to leave, so this, so this is, this is, I'm basically describing what I just described about. So he said, "I'm gonna disrespect you." He pulled his gun out. Mm-hmm. When he was asked to leave, when he said that, Mister Hicks pulls his gun out and shoots Mister Bar, Mister Barakat from the porch. So he shoots him. He drops because he's like on, he's on his stoop. He's outside. He's out. He's outside of the door. Like he knocked on the door and he's basically standing on his porch, but it's an apartment complex. So it's not like, it's not like a porch, just like steps. Oh, okay. They're like those, you know, is that like those row homes, like so townhouses? W- oh, okay. So gotcha. they call them condominiums, but it's like, they all have, they're all next to each other. Yeah, like yeah. they all have like a, a walk up, Yeah. but they're okay, like gotcha. all connected to each other. It's one of those. So he walked up to his little platform, his steps in front of his, his door, mm-hmm. knocked on his door and then stepped back on the platform, mm-hmm. got into the argument, shot him. He falls. And then he goes into the apartment and kills his wife and his sister-in-law. In the video, you can hear the girls screaming at the top of their lungs. You know, it's absolutely tragic. I couldn't imagine. They turned. They told the media to cut the cameras off when they played the video. Yeah. 
Um, but I did watch a, a video from ABC News that just had the audio. So I don't mm. know if maybe somebody had their phone on in the courtroom or something, or maybe they got access to it from the, I don't know. But I heard, uh, I heard the, I heard the audio of the confrontation, but not the screaming or the gunshots. Yeah. As the video of the massacre played, some people cried out and prayed and even shouted at Mr. Hicks until the judge, Orlando Hudson, asked for calm. None of the three students had parked in Mr. Hicks' assigned spot, and only two had parked anywhere in the lot, according to the police, police and court records. So what I, that's why I keep bringing up the example, because I live on a street where some houses have driveways and others don't. I don't have a driveway, so I have to park on the main street. And my neighbor, not in a confrontational way, but she kind of goes like, hey, we try to park in front of our own house so that our, we don't have to park down the street, which is like, I understand. I love parking in front of my house. I, I don't have a driveway, so if I can park in front of my house, it's great. I just get out. I can go right in my house. I don't have to walk down the street. But, like, if there's somebody there, oh, well, I don't have any say in that. Yeah. I've seen you I've seen you and Sierra park down the street. That's just either, either you can get it or you can't. You, yeah. There's no assignedness to it. Yeah. And what I think happened was, even though they have assigned spots, he's like, well, y'all are taking up all the extra spots too with these cars because they didn't park in front of the house, but they parked maybe if he could just park across the street from his apartment, mm -hmm. that's that spot's taken. But it's not assigned. But he's like, basically he's saying, it's too many of y'all in there and all of y'all got cars and y'all are taking up the spots and now I got to go park further away. Yeah. So no, move one of these cars is what I think really he was saying. Because I don't think it had anything to do with assigned spots because nobody was in his assigned spot. He just was saying, y'all got all these people here. It's no spots for me to park my car, and now I got to park further down the street. So one of y'all go park down the street. Because yeah. why do all of y'all get this park in front of the house, and I got to walk? It's like, because we were here, bro. I don't, it, why, why are we even, what are we even talking about? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, we got dinner in the house. Why am I trying to explain to you why we get why we're closer to the apartment and we get to walk have a shorter walk than you're about to have it's just I, crazy I, I i get it if one if it didn't, it didn't end up people dying two if he was elderly and he needed i'm know, not saying walking disputes over parking lot parking spaces don't right, i'm just i'm yes, just saying that yes. i get i can get, I, I can get the argument of why he went you know not going to do hey man can y'all can yeah. i get one spot i'm old I, fine i'm with my car man it's no big deal yeah whatever but he came with the heat, though. He came with the Banging heat. Banging on the door, intensity. He lucky they have a gun. And that all go, and that's what I mean about you can't prove it, but clearly he's like, these people, they're not from here. Mm -hmm. They're lesser than me. They're beneath me. I'm not afraid of them. I'm going to come with my gun. They don't have guns. They don't know anything about guns. Yeah. Is that supposed to be doing that? Uh, yeah, no, that happened. I was, uh, um, I opened up. Sorry, guys. Uh, Fran's noticing that uh, uh, my my bandage is uh, has blood on it because yeah. I opened my wound up when Getting I changed excited. when I changed my shirt. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I changed my shirt. I had on a very hot material, Easy, and I changed. I think I I think I squeezed Close my hand, hand when I when I put the hands through the sleeve. But it's all good. Be I'm, careful. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. All it's right. cool. Um. <clears throat> but anyway, back to what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just all a mess. I, I'll continue. Um. So Mr. Hicks' story raised questions about whether he was. Inventing pretexts to explain his violence or whether his perceptions were so disoriented by prejudice that he believed his own story. Very similar to the Michael Dunn killing of Jordan Davis back in 2016. So uh, people famously know they might not know those names, but you might, might remember hearing a uh, hearing of a story of a young boy being shot because his music was too loud in front of a gas station. Oh, yeah. Michael Dunn was so convinced that one, there was a gun in the car and was being pointed back at him. So that's why he unloaded his whole clip. 
He also said that the kids said some crazy disrespectful shit to him. The kids were like, no, we didn't. We just said like, no, we're not turning our music down or whatever. Like in his mind, they said, the, he, he, Michael Dunn said they were like, listen here, cracker bitch, which no black teen has ever said in since the Jeffersons, maybe, maybe 1975. Crackers just isn't in it. It just ain't hitting anymore. Yeah. Nobody's calling white people crackers anymore. So if you see crackers spray painted on a building or something, a white person did it. To it wasn't us. It wasn't yeah. us. No, this was 2016, bro. Yeah. No black teen in Florida, I think this was, is calling white people cracker. So anyway, he said, cracker bitch, you're going to get 187 or something something crazy that he like heard wow. in Boys in the that Hood. That he or Googled something. before he Yeah, like he heard, from a, he heard from somewhere on like a meme, of a racist meme about black people be like, he heard that from somewhere crazy. And he told the officers that that's what they said to him. And then he said they showed him, like, flashed him a gun. So then he said, no, I was like, oh, no, not today. I'm not dying. He backed up, pulled his gun out, and shot the car up. There was no gun in the car. Then he goes, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a stick. Because the officer was like, there was no gun in that car, man. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, it could have been a stick or something. There was no stick. There was nothing. Yeah, he's like, maybe it looked like a gun. There was nothing in the car. But in his mind, they disrespected him. Or he just, or, well, basically what they're saying is either he... Either Michael Dunn, from the story I'm telling you right now, knew he was in trouble and tried to make them out to look bad, mm-hmm. or he really believed it because yep. he was that scared of these black people, friend. And I think they're, basically they're saying, Mr. Hicks, the two, the two scenarios are either he knew he fucked up and was like, they're bad people, they, uh, provo- they um, provoked me, they were being disrespectful towards me, you know, I did something wrong, but like they were aggressive towards me first. Either that or that's really what he heard. Even though there's audio of the door opening and him being like, whoa, 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 man. You know, nobody's parked in your space. Like, there is no cuss you, fuck you, this, that, and the third. So either he made it up or that's really how he feels when somebody has the nerve to be a foreigner in his eyes and talk back to him. It really felt like disrespect in the highest level. Yeah. But how do you discern? You know, who knows? We don't know. I mean, I feel like I know, but he said, you know, that's that's the conversation. Did he shoot them because genuinely it was a parking space argument and he was just mad about that? Or was his internal racism so deep within his body that that's what escalated it into a a, a, um, deadly event, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what they can't prove in court. So long story short, obviously the story ends in being convicted, but like he did not get charged with a hate crime, which Mm -hmm. doesn't really do anything. But it's just a signal to the to like the community that was affected by the crime. Yeah, that like we recognize that this is wrong and we don't want this to happen again in the future. So we're designating it a hate crime and denouncing it. Yeah, which says it's it's symbolic, but it does do something. And this wasn't designated a hate crime. Hmm. So uh, after the 2015 shootings, Doctor Abu Salah, the mother, the father of the two daughters, said his mosque added armed security at Friday's prayer services, and friends brought. Friends bought guns for self-defense and some women even stopped wearing their headscarves out of fear. Now, whether or not you feel you know, the New York times or time magazine feels like this was a hate crime or if there's a, they're just having the conversation on what well, was it a hate crime or was he just an angry guy who was up having a bad day going through a lot in his life and just snapped whether or not they, they have that conversation, this Muslim community here in this, in, in the city of North, in this city in North Carolina and across the country and across the globe felt terrified. Yeah. And that's what matters right now. Asian American people and Asian people all across the country visiting, whatever feel terrified. So it doesn't matter if you say, Oh no, he's a sex addict. 
He went in in a time where Asian people, Asian violence is going up for various reasons, yeah. some very obvious ones. Eight people were killed, six of which were Asian and women. So Asian women gripping up, getting guns, having tasers on them, whatever, not just not feeling safe in general. That sheriff coming out and being like, yeah, 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 but it wasn't. He's a sex addict. They're not trying to hear that. I don't know. They don't feel safe. That's what matters. They don't feel safe. The optics of it are stronger than you coming out and having a couple words about it. Like, no, nah, he was having a bad day. He's a sex addict. So, you know, he just had a bad day and this is what happened. No, nah, it seems like he shot up a bunch of Asian women and there's Asian people being attacked every day. Yeah. So we're terrified. Period. Yeah. So uh, after this attack, mosques and Muslim people were terrified, justifiably, understandably, for sure. It's like. When is it us next? When is somebody else going to have a bad day and mm-hmm. fucking snap on us, you know? Um, Hicks was an angry white man, unemployed with very few assets other than a small arsenal of firearms and a $2,000 car. He owed $14,000 in child support. So this dude was a loser, bro, and he was at his wit's end. And this was in 2015. Now we're coming off of a pandemic. People are unemployed. Still crazy out of, you know, out, out of work, no money in the bank, at risk of losing their homes and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So if you're saying that all of that, 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 you know, poverty and stress are factors in domestic white terrorists, like awakening, this is a pretty fucking terrifying time. Yeah. Because this, you know, 2015 wasn't that bad of a year. You know, I mean, like, you know, people were working. There was no global pandemic. Yeah. And this this dude was just... Because of his own fucked up life and his own insecurities and racist racist feelings, in my opinion, racist feelings, he snapped under the pressure of his life, his shitty life. So people's lives are pretty shitty right now. So if we're saying like, well, yeah, you never know, bro. Like, you know, you could be going through everything. You can't get a job right now. You know, the, the stimulus check didn't hit yet. And I don't like Mexican people. So when they got my order wrong at McDonald's, I snapped. Yep. Now, do I not like Mexican people? Yeah, but like I was mad because they got my order wrong. And that's why I killed all the Mexican people at the McDonald's. Not, but like me not liking Mexican people that has nothing to do with what I did. What? <laughs> why are we letting racist people dictate whether or not they're racist? What, what sense does that make? How can you ask a racist person, hey, like, are you racist? Were their actions racist? That's what matters. Say no. They, of course they're going to say no. <laughs> Who would say yeah? Well, no, there's some people that would be like, hell yeah, I'm a fucking racist. But the most dangerous type of racist person is somebody that's like, I'm not racist. I, I just think everybody it. should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and work hard. That's that's how I feel. So they don't even realize that they're racist. Yeah. You know, those are more dangerous racist people. Somebody that's like, no, I mean, like, I don't like Asian people, but like, that's not why I killed them. I killed him for another reason, but I don't, I don't like them though. Yeah. That's crazy as shit, man. It's, it's, you should never be asking somebody who's the, the, the perpetrator of the crime. Like, do you think you're this? It's crazy, bro. I trust the person that come out and say it. Then the person that say, no, I ain't racist. But you know what happens though? Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Now he's this example of like, see, you can just come out and lie about somebody being racist towards you. They're never going to let that go. That's going to be a Fox news talking point forever. Anytime a story that really affects people, some real shit goes down. Well, you know, there are incidences we know very publicly and famously that people do lie about being victims of racism, like Jesse Smollett. So that's what that that's what that did. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like I said, Mr. Hicks was a big old loser, and he had initially asked to be excused from the courtroom before the victim's families got to speak their piece. The no, that is that sitting there. The father wrote a very powerful letter to the court. In the letter, he said, oh, I'm sorry. This is a quote from Hicks. He said, I like to, this is, how, tell me this isn't the most like psychopathic, sociopathic killer shit you've ever heard. He goes, this is a quote from him for why he wanted to be excused. I like to think I've got empathy, but I look at the way I act with the stuff and I and really wonder if I do. This is what he said in an interview. He said, I feel sorry for the family members, but at the same time, I really don't want to deal with them and what they, and, and, and that would be empathy. So basically he's saying like, I don't know if I have empathy. I think I do, but like, I don't know. I don't really want to hear them talk though. No, I can't really be bothered. That's what he said, right? Dr. Abu Salah objected in a letter to the court saying in the letter that Mr. Hicks, that Mr. Hicks uh, being absent or being allowed to be excused would be coddling him. And in the letter, he said, in no just world should he be able to murder children and not face the words of the families whose lives that he destroyed. Yeah. After reading the letter, Mr. Mr. Hicks withdrew his request to leave the courtroom. Because, I mean, you would have had to really double down on that not giving a shit that somebody really lays out a really compelling thing and you're like, I still don't want to be here. Yeah. So he, he made him look so foolish with his powerful words that he was like, all right. Or his lawyers probably advised, like, you're going to have to just sit here, bro. That doesn't look good if you're like, I know you just said that really powerful statement, but still, fuck y'all. I don't care. I don't want to hear what y'all have to say. So he withdrew his request to be uh, excused, and he sat there and he listened to the families come up and speak about their family. He wasn't listening. Probably not. In June of 2019, Craig Hicks pled guilty to the three murders of Yusuf Mah- Yusor Muhammad, her husband, Dia Barakat, and her sister, Razan Abu Salah. Hicks was not charged with a hate crime. He was sentenced to life plus an additional 64 to 89 years for other crimes around the shooting. So like discharging a firearm in a public, that kind of shit. He got an additional 64 to 89 years for that plus life. Um, but again, I just want to say that that's the end of the story. Um, very tragic story. Rest in peace to them. Prayers to the family. Prayers to the entire Muslim community. Prayers to anybody that feels like they go through not feeling welcome in this country, even if you were born here. It's really hard feeling. And I also just want to say once again, we should really stop asking people who commit racist acts if they think that what they did was racist. They clearly don't. They don't. They don't know. Racism is ignorance. So why would they have the nuanced answer to your question? They don't have it. They feel like it's something more righteous than just being a racist bigot. And you're not going to get the answer from them. So why should we allow this man in Atlanta to dictate the narrative of like if what he did was racist? Are Asian people in this country terrified after hearing that? Yes. Did he kill Asian people and at Asian businesses? Yes. So then why are we even entertaining? What he did was a hate crime. Why are we entertaining what he said? Who was he to tell us what he did wasn't racist? Go tell that to the daughter of, you know, uh, one of those spa owners. No, it wasn't racist. He just, he thought your mom was a, a sex worker. You know, that's better. It's, since it's a sex worker, it's not as big of a deal. If that's if that's the case, he just was trying to kill sex workers. So it's not as it's not racist. It's something else that we don't care about. It's absolutely crazy and disgusting, bro. And I just found the parallel so interesting. For anybody who doesn't remember the Chapel Hill shooting, if you go look it up, you go look up articles from that time, they're eerily similar to the conversations that are being had around the shooting in Atlanta. Was this a hate crime? I mean, it was over a it was over a parking spot, right? Like he didn't shoot them because he's racist. Was it a hate crime? I mean, he's a sex addict, not a racist. Mm. 
you know? So I don't think it was a hate crime. It was wrong, but it wasn't a hate crime. And all that does is gloss past a conversation that we should be having about domestic terrorism and how frequent it has become and school shootings and this, that, and the third, and keeps going on, keeps going on. But instead what they do is they want to have us have conversations about black on Asian violence. And Hey, black people, you guys need to stop being violent towards Asian people because it's black people that are violent towards Asian people. And instead what I'm saying is when I bring up the points that I brought up in the beginning is that you're stronger together, you know? And I and and I'm, I'd be a liar if I said there isn't like contention in between Black and Asian communities. But that's a historic contention. I don't feel like it's young Asian people and young Black people beefing like that. It was just you put two people from two different walks of life into the same community. There's a language barrier, mm-hmm. you know. There's this caste system kind of hierarchy where it's like. Well, if you want gas or cigarettes or the things that you need to for your day-to-day living, you have to come into my business. You know, I'm dealing with poor people. People, Maybe people steal. So now I have this, now as an Asian person in this community, I have this kind of jaded view of the people that come in here and I don't really appreciate them as customers. That's the historic context of black-on-Asian intercommunal relationships in this country. But I feel like going forward as young people, that's not the case. We're all just young and, 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 and living our lives and just, tr- and, and, and just trying to make it, you know? So I think it's now's the time to go like, yeah, f- yeah, let's move past all of that. The L.A. riots, let's, let's, let's bury the hatchet and let's be there for each other because you, we can't just keep going like, oh, now it's their turn. They're not worried about us. Let's, hey, it's not on us. It's on them. Let them fight their fight. We had to fight our fight. No, let's, let's join together. And denounce this crazy shit that's going on. That's that's the way that you move forward. You demand that these conversations get had together. So if there's any, I don't know, if there's any articles people want to see, I want to learn. I'm saying here on this microphone now, I want to learn. How can I be an ally, ally to the Asian community, you know, um, of all walks, like whether it's Asian, Eurasian, Indian, any anybody, how can I be an ally to you? Speaking, me, Alvin, speaking directly into the microphone saying, hey, I'm ignorant. I don't know. How can I be of help? Because the same time a year ago when George Floyd got his neck, his neck knelt on for eight minutes and 32 seconds, I was asking for the same thing. Go read a book, go learn, go figure something out. How can you help get involved? I'm here. I'm trying to get involved. How can I help? But yeah, so that was my story this week. Um, a lot of heavy shit. So let's go ahead and get into these good vibes so we can get out of here and I can uh, change my bandages because I'm, I'm bleeding. <laughs> good, That's right, folks. It is uh, officially springtime, and let's kick things off after a very gloomy and dark episode full of heavy topics. Let's kick things off with some good vibes, friend. I have a quick, very uh, uninformed good vibes, but I just think it, it, is a, it is a nice chance for me to talk about one of my passions, which is legalizing cannabis so that people can, um, uh, so that we can use that tax money to really do some good and really change the face of this country. Uh, and this is maybe something that will, it won't, but it maybe it will push politicians to make a move on something that they have been uh being the impediment of for decades. Anyway, in a study undergoing peer review, the CBD compound from cannabis has been found to stop COVID-19 replication in lung lung epithelial cells. 
not don't know anything about that. But uh, so epithelial cells, I think I said it right. I'm not sure. Uh, suggesting that the plant the plant medicine holds yet another astounding quality with all of the other ones that it holds, and yet somehow it's still illegal. Uh, furthermore, observational data from patients who were taking this taking CBD before they were tested for coronavirus showed that it used showed that its use was associated with a significantly lower infection incidence rate than those not taking CBD. And CBD is just without the THC. So you get all the, the medical or the, uh, the, yeah, the, the medicinal properties without the high. Uh, measured together with, it, with its metabolite 7-OH CBD, uh, cannabinoidal or CBD in, inhibited the expression of certain genes within the viral cells and reverse changes in gene expression within the lung cells resulting from the presence of COVID-19. In other words, it had both a it had both a protective and a therapeutic role. It was also found to block viral RNA expression, including the coding for the spike pro, for the spike protein, the tool with which the virus enters our cells. Another crucial finding was that CBD effectively reversed the triggering of a hypo of a hyperflammatory response that so-called. Uh, cytokine storm brought on by the presence of the virus restoring cells not to uh not to a pre-viral level of inflation but a state as if the cells had been treated with cbd alone cytokine storm is one of the principal causes of death resulting from a covid19 infection a range of other cannabinoids were also tested but by trial's end only cbd was found to have any effect at all on COVID-19 infected cells. And CBD is, is legal in some states, but not all states. But mm -hmm. you can get your hands on CBD a lot easier than you can on, well, you know, obviously. You can get your hands on CBD and you have less chance of getting in trouble. It's less of a big deal than actual THC. Yeah. Uh, uh, somebody was quoted, somebody uh, from the study was quoted as saying, we advocate carefully designed placebo-controlled clinical trials with known concentrations and highly characterized formulations in order to define CBD's role in preventing and treating early SARS-CoV-2 infection. A preprint of the study is available in the journal BioRxiv while it goes under peer review. CBD is available legally in various forms and, and in various ways in, in Alaska, Maine, Colorado, California, Washington State, Oregon, Massachusetts, Vermont, Michigan, Nevada, and the District of Columbia. So, friend, we might need to hop in the car. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that's just a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a kick in the ass. Uh, just another statement and saying like, legalize cannabis, bro. Joe Biden, stop falling your ass down the steps to Air Force <laughs> One. Get up and fucking go, go federal, go federal, legalize uh, cannabis federally. I know it's not going to happen, but it is something that would change a lot of lives tremendously. It would let a lot of people out of prison. And I will also say that while that video of Joe Biden falling down those steps is really hilarious, yeah, the stimmy's in my account, yeah, and the vaccines are rolling out. So you know, let that man do what he's doing, and maybe hey man, go uh, legalize cannabis. That's all I gotta say. Excuse me, but if they do that, can can employees still go? Like a test? Can no, not if it's legal federally. Hmm. The only reason that, like, if you live in a state where it's legal, you can, you can, if your if your job says you can't um, smoke weed, you can still get in trouble because it's legal. It's illegal. Oh, okay, it's illegal federal. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, you yeah. legalize it federally, you can't. You I mean, can't. yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I guess they could probably just say like, what they would have to do is they'd probably have to come up with a system that can tell yeah. how much oh, weed okay. you. Because if you're like, you can't be high at work. Coming in, right, like you can't right, be drunk right. at work. Right, alcohol right. is legal. Right. So they have to come up with no, some new system. Because right now it's crazy. Like if I smoke weed 
for a month and then I go back to work and I'm not high today, but it's weed in my system. Like I'm in trouble because I smoked weed and when I was off. Yeah. That's crazy. Some of the best sleep I ever got when I was high. It's it's bro, it's medicinal. And I'm not here to be hippy dippy. Hey man, weed, man. All right, smoky, smoky, you know, toke it up. I'm just saying, I know people who medicate with prescription drugs. Yeah. When they could smoke weed and relieve chronic pain. And then they get addicted to those painkillers. Yeah. And then that's a whole host of other problems. So, yes, it has medicinal properties. It's yep. great to and it's also way better than drinking. Yeah. I like to just smoke and watch a funny movie. Yeah. Why should I have to drink and get a buzz to elevate my state, you know? Yeah. When this plant does the job just as fine. And it would be incredible tax revenue. Yeah. But instead it's like has all these fucking stigmas on it and it's just fucking stupid, bro. Yep. I agree. Uh, so my good vibe this week is about vitamin D supplements protect black people against COVID-19. Mm, milk. So having higher levels of the sunshine vitamin was shown to reduce the risk of infection in the black population. Black people hate being outside in the sun. Yeah, black population, a new study has revealed. So almost half of, half of Americans are vitamin D deficient, according to David O. Meltzer, MD, PhD, the chief of hospital, hospital medicine at the University of, of Chicago Medicine. But more than three quarters of people with darker skin have low levels of this crucial nutrient. Mm. He was inspired to ex- to examine the de- the data on COVID nineteen cases after seeing an article more than a year ago, reporting that people taking vitamin D supplements have mu- had much lower rates of viral respiratory infections. The study analyzed over three thousand patients in the city who had their vitamin D measured within two weeks of a of a COVID nineteen test. Levels of a, of at least thirty um, nanograms per milliliter are usually are usually considered sufficient, but black participants with low with that level of vitamin D had more than two and a half times greater risk of catching COVID than those who had four, 40 nanograms or mil- milliliters more. Mm. They had a 7.2 percent chance of testing positive for the virus, um, 2.64 times higher than the general population. Vitamin D can be obtained through eating eggs, um, eating egg yolks, salmon, and or meat. Come on, man, it's salmon. What I, I said, sal- what I yeah, say? You say salmon. Salmon. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's that, how that's, I always that's, say. That's, that's, that's Baltimore. That's that Baltimore in us, bro. It's salmon, bro. The L is silent. It's salmon, man. Just took a bougie ass up, man. It's salmon. What are you talking about? <laughs> or meat or taking supplements, but it's also produced naturally by the by the body with skin is exposed to sunlight. Man, get out of here with that. Say how I want to say it. Put that bottle was hell up. <laughs> Messing up my good vibe. <laughs> uh, no, that, yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> well, what you got to say? No, I was just saying, what I was saying is that's interesting. That's it, what you're saying is interesting to me oh. because it's funny. Like in the summertime when we were kids and being outside, and as much as we used to love being outside and playing and shit, when it's a real hot day, what we always used to say and be mad about? What? Being out in the sun all day. Yeah. What would you say? We, well, as we were kids? Yeah, what was, what was the complaint? It being hot? What are you talking about? What, what was the complaint about you, man? I don't want to be outside all day because... Because I want to get black. Yeah. Exactly. That's colorism, man. Yeah, Why are we... But it's but helping. It, and then based on the study, you're telling me it's like, well, that it, our body's absorbing that vitamin D from the sun and it's helping us. But we, we're like, nah, bro, it's too hot to be outside all day. Bro, I'm going to get black as hell. I'm yeah. going to get blacker. Yeah. I still think that way. Yeah, but like, that's why. What's <laughs> what's bad about that? I just don't want to be You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's, it, but that's... We got to try to destroy that... 
the psyche of that. True. You know what I mean? Because it is it's helping you. The it's, sun, it is helping. black people are absorbing the sun. Is is giving us nutrients that we need in our body, but we're like, no, nah, bro, I don't want to be a shade darker, bro. I don't want to be too black. Yeah, some be frying our asses up, man. It, do, it does. It does. Oh no, it doesn't. White people. As much as they love being on the beach and shit like that, I've said this before and going hiking, yeah. the things I've seen the sun do to white people are like alien, alien like. Yeah. It, like it makes me feel I'm like, "Oh my god, that's what that's, that's what li- like the world does to you?" Yeah. Blisters and mm. shit. Oh, it's crazy, bro. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Thank I'm not you. saying black people can't sunburn. If you go somewhere real hot and you're out in the sun all day, Throw some nice SPF on yourself cuz black people can get sunburn. But, but it's, it's, it's way t- different. It's, it, but it feels different though. Yeah. I oh, I, did, I would black. argue I've never felt anything. But one time I came back from like a, like a Caribbean. You never got sunburn before? No, I did get sunburn, oh. but I thought I had like um, eczema mm. because I don't. I only had the the dry skin, mm-hmm. so it had already burned and healed. Yeah, and then the skin peeled. Yeah. So I was like out somewhere, and I was like, "Oh man, I think I got like a dry patch. So I need some lotion." They were like, yeah. "Oh no, you sunburned," yeah. and then it peeled. Yeah, I, was I had like, sunburn oh, in my really? back. Huh. Yeah. That did it hurt? Frown my ass up, huh? Did it hurt? No. Yeah, no. Black people. I mean, white people get like, like drunk from the sun. Like the, it like makes them sleepy. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh, it like oh it oh it fucks them up, bro. Oh, I know because like white people get it like sun they poisoning. Can't, they can't, they can't touch because it burns. Oh yeah. I mean, I have had it, but I, when I saw it, it was like like you say it was peeling. So I was like, oh shit, I got sunburn. Yeah, it's like a it's like a it's like a funny little like oh wow look at that. Yeah. I guess that was sunburn. But yeah. white people. I guess black like, people can't get sunburned. Exactly. That's yeah. all you say. But white people are like yeah man I'm I'm gonna get to go lay down. I think I got sun poisoning. It's, it the the heat that fucks them. Terrible. The sun fucks them up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Just that. It's crazy how when black people say that, but they still be out in the sun. Well, we know. love being outside. We love having a good time. Yeah, but I mean, it's hot as shit. You not know, as kids. Not as kids. I didn't say that. No, I used to be outside. I used to be outside all day. Yeah. Well, it's like when, around, we get the stank, teenage, when it gets to so you get the teenage years and you like girls and stuff. Yeah. In your mind, you yeah, being true. blacker is gonna make girls like you less. True. That's so fucked up, man. Yeah. That's society. True. That's society telling you that, bro. Yep. It wasn't until we hit like 14, 15 where we're like, yeah, man, I can't be outside playing basketball all day. I'm gonna get I you ain't black. To be dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. I ain't trying to be Think dark. That's cra- that's that's fucked up. That's true. Um, but he said you can, you know, vitamin D by eating those. Those type of things mm-hmm. and supplements, but but it say also say it again. Eggs and what? Salmon, man. Oh salmon. no, no, salmon, salmon. Hey, man. Look, I'm not Che, man. Be you, salmon. Be you, man. Hey. My, my fault. Be you, you used to say no. salmon. Don't try to fuck, come right. over here. You get on this podcast. Let me tell you. Let me tell you people something. This tell guy him. comes no, no. on here. Hey man, why don't you? Hey come friend. Down here. Hey friend, why don't you tell him something, friend? Go come, ahead, tell him. Why don't you tell you, him something? You, you come on here and you get all bougie. And bougie, and, and you know we you know we came from this rough I don't neighborhood. Eat, I don't eat McChickens anymore, bro. So don't. But you cheat. did though. But I did. But people they grow. You did, they grow. No man, you. But that's not that's not your roots, bro. Your roots is you used to eat bang, uh, gang bangs. You used to eat salmon. It was salmon. Fifteen years ago it was salmon. You move in the county, and all of a sudden it's, it's salmon. Hey man, it's salmon. No man, <laughs> you used to say salmon. Don't don't come on here and switch up for the people, man. Be I you. Would, I would argue with you that I used to say salmon. I don't think I used to say salmon. I think you did. I maybe used to say Doug, like a hot Doug. I maybe used to say that. Oh, now you say hot dog? Yeah, I do say hot oh, dog. Oh, my goodness. Oh, is that crazy? Oh, am, am I lying? I mean, you know, why Unbelievable. Don't you, man. Hey, why don't you move on, man? Because I think what you think is bougie isn't what I think is bougie. Oh, what, you, what do you think is bougie? Then? Well, because I get called bougie because I'm like, man, oh, uh, I love to drink wine or I like to have like a goat cheese. These are tasty yeah, things. That's bougie, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's bougie. <laughs> it's just bougie. good. Yeah, but I, but yeah, but that's not but that's not what you didn't eat goat cheese twenty years ago. 
Exactly. 20. You all saw I should still be eating Rice Krispie <laughs> treats and honey buns and oatmeal cream pies and shit like that? Come no, on. Just no, don't act, just don't act like you be eating goat cheese all your life, man. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say I've eating it all my life, Dude. but I eat it now. That's fine. <laughs> but don't go around here like, hey, man, look, you should be eating American cheese. You should, I got some of this goat cheese you should eat. Man, 15, 20 years ago, you wasn't eating. You was eating. Regular potato chips with American cheese uh, <laughs> melted on it, making uh, ghetto nachos, man. <laughs> God, it man. There's a different me, bro. It's just a different I, me. I can see point. that. It's just my point is there's a different If you me. don't eat McDonald's, fine. <laughs> man, but don't come on here talking about, hey, man, it's salmon, not salmon. You changing up for the people, man. I don't appreciate that, man. Um. I'm gonna move on because you changing my good vibes, man. <laughs> I didn't mean so to, people with darker skin are more often deficient because having more uh, melanin in their skin reduces their ability to synthesize vitamin D from the sun. Mm. The findings published in uh, JAMA Open Network build on an earlier trial suggesting less than 20 uh, milli- milliliters of vitamin D raise the risk of COVID. Another recent study showed over eight in ten coronavirus patients were vitamin D deficient. These uh, supports arguments arguments for uh, designing clinical trials that can test whether or not vitamin D may be a viable uh, inter- intervention f- to lower to lower the risk of d- of the disease, especially in persons of color. Wait, so is this, is this saying that black people absorb the vitamin? It's not going into their system because the skin. Your, your, our skin absorbs it And so we should be eating Vitamin D supplements Is that That's what this is saying right It was saying that Our our, sun, our skin is so much darker That it's, it's harder for the Because of the melanin in our so skin It's not getting in It's not getting in Got it's it redu- okay It reduces okay. the ability of the body To synthesize the vitamin D From the sun Got it So we should be eating Our vitamin eating. D Not relying on it from the sun Yes Got it okay Got yes. it okay But A lot of black people Not eating salmon Or uh, you know Or like I don't know Steak I don't know A lot of people I guess a lot of people Is this in steak that. No, I'm just saying. Me, oh. I'm just saying. Just you know. uh, black people. Is- eh, okay, um, <laughs> but not but yeah. a, not with the intention of vitamin D. So maybe we should be, you know, vitamin D supplement pills and stuff like that. I'm just saying, yeah. like, yeah. If, because if we don't know this, if we're just it, maybe like I didn't know that. Like I me just, either. I just like like me and Sierra were talking the other day. It was like, oh man, isn't the sun? The sun is crazy. How it can just whatever it can brighten you up, make you feel better, it can heal you out of like depressions sometimes and stuff. But if if the one of the properties is that, you know, maybe somebody with lighter skin, a la a white person, mm-hmm. is actually getting benefits that are saving them from the coronavirus yeah. from the sun, but we can't get it, then we should be trying to ingest vitamin D's in way that it in ways that it can get into our system yeah. because it's less likely to get into our system from the sun yeah. because of our dark skin. Yep. So that is something that, because black people eat salmon. Yeah. But we might not be eating it with the intention of Vitamin D. vitamin D. I gotta get this vitamin D up in me. Yeah, no, I'm just like, that. no, I'm just gonna have me some salmon croquettes, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know. What? What's that? Like a salmon cake. Come on, bro. Is that bougie? Come on, bro. I, 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 all right. A sa- is, it's called a salmon cake. Or a salmon Is that what a, a regular person would call it, a salmon cake? Let me get a salmon cake. I don't know what cake. a regular person would say. Some a people salmon call croquette? it a salmon, a cro- salmon croquette. Get out of here. Some people man. call it that, man. That, let's, let's go, man. I, I'm, I'm about tired of you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to wrap it up. <laughs> Sammy Croquette. Some people call it Sammy Croquette. Who calls bro? it that? Some people. Bougie people. Some, <laughs> I'm gonna go around. I, I'm gonna do a study. Do a study. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go in uh, majority black neighborhoods. Nobody calls it a crab croquette, but a salmon. A but sa- people call it a crab cake. No, but let me get yes, a crab cake. But people call a salmon. Some people call it a salmon croquette because it's not. It's different. It's not the same as a crab cake. 
crab cake has a different type of connotation. It's its own thing. So some people go, this is different than a is crab it? cake. Instead of just calling it, it's easier to go, oh, I like crab cakes, salmon cakes. But the appropriate term for it is a salmon croquette. But for, for vernacular reasons, you mm. go crab cake, salmon cake. It's like a, it's like a, a salmon cake is like a crab cake with salmon. Mm-hmm. But it's different. It's other stuff in a salmon cake or a salmon croquette that's not in a crab cake. So a crab cake is supposed to be called a, cra- a crab cake? No, I'm saying it's not. I'm saying it's not. I've never heard anybody say crab croquette. I'm not going to sit here and say <laughs> I would never call it a crab croquette. But that's the, but that's the name you're supposed to. That's what. No, I'm just saying that's the proper salmon. name for it. I'm saying no, 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 no. So I didn't say but that. Is that the proper no, name for it? I words in my mouth, though, because I didn't say that, man. Can you answer the question? Nobody's never called it crab croquette. I've never. Your Honor, he's not answering the question. Can you never, answer the question? What is the question? Is it called, is the proper name of crab croquette? No. It's that's not. not that's not. No, no, no. It's a, it's a crab cake. It's a crab cake. It's a crab cake. There's no other proper name for no, it. No, it's just a crab cake. So a crab, so a, a, a salmon, a salmon cake. Uh-huh. The proper name for that is it's a salmon, salmon croquette. Croquet. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's similar. It's similar. <laughs> it's similar. All right. It's similar. Take your word for it. Blue and navy blue is different, but they got different names, right? It's close, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, but so a crab cake and a, a salmon cake is well, not hey, the same thing. I'm not thing. telling you don't call it a salmon cake. I'm just, that's just what I said that's not, when I said it real quick. But I just is said it the it. same thing? A salmon cake and a salmon croquette? Yes. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> but the proper name for a salmon cake is a croquette. But the proper name for a crab cake is not a, a crab croquette, right? If is that you what you're want, saying? If you want to make, try to make me sound crazy and bougie, that's fine, bro. I didn't say they called it a crab croquette. But that's the proper name for it. No, and that's not what I said. It's not a, that's not what I said. This because you're not saying it. This is because that's not what you said. That's but not, is it? Is is that the proper name no, for No, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think it's just called a crab cake. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Right. Fran, is there anything you're listening to or watching right now, um, man? I watched <laughs> the, um, well, I'm doing this. I watched the um, what's the show you, you was talking about? Just like what is just like me? What is that show just on like HBO me. Max? What is it? Oh, fake famous. That. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, I watched it. Oh, it's I crazy, watched. right? Yeah, my I that black give, dude. I gotta give a shout out to my guy. Was Dominique? What's, what's his oh, name? Oh, that the black. I don't know his name, but he was the man, right? That's my guy. Like, my I gotta face, shout him out. I gotta get a shirt with his face on. It goes like, I need people to feel this. I gotta shout him out. He didn't want the fake fame. He only wanted real likes. He didn't. He wanted genuine interaction from people, and he did not want to be involved in the study anymore. But another thing I found interesting about that documentary is who did the mo- who did the best, and and an average looking skinny white woman game the whole system. The girl who was involved in it, she oh, really yeah. became an influencer. She really just all you all she had to do was just be like, "I'm white, I'm in Hollywood, and I got somebody to take some nice pictures of me." And they were like, "You're an influencer now." She grew, she got getting free shoes. She was killing the game. I saw. I saw a um, the jet, the fake jet. Oh, that's I've great. seen that before. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen. I mean, not, I'm not. Oh, bitter, like, oh, like, I've seen that, the pictures. That, 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 that's a thing. That's the thing. I've seen that before. That's but crazy. All the other shit. Did you? I never. I didn't know you could buy a toilet seat from the store and just use that the toilet seat wild. as to look like a jet window. I told Steph. I said when I see, she kind of got me on this, but I, when I see the pictures of like you know, just, I, I'm gonna just say females. I see the picture uh-huh. of females. I look at it as. They're just trying to do modeling. Yeah. They're they're taking these nice pictures to do modeling. I didn't know it was a... But you can just be an Instagram model. Now you don't have to become like, get signed and rock the runway. That's how I looked at it. But you don't have to... They they, they they eliminated it. They just take nice pictures to have nice pictures and Uh to do modeling. They're trying to get into modeling. I didn't know it was a thing where it's like... They're making money off that. They're doing that to... They are renting 
mansions uh-huh. to take pictures and yeah. to get. I didn't to know it was content. that. I didn't know it was that. Because they're getting money from Instagram. I didn't know it was that. Yeah. And then she was like, then what about the guys? I was like, oh, same thing. You got it. Yeah, same thing. You got it. So what about the guys in the cars? I was like, yep. Doing the same thing. It's the same thing. It's all about what your market is. Some girls are like, I'm going to put on, I have a nice body. I'm going to put on a bikini and take pictures and people will like it and I'll become an influencer and get free products. And some dudes are like, I like cars. I have access to nice cars. That's going to be my thing on Instagram. And I'm a car at, influencer. I didn't look at it as that. Though. You could be all kind of influencer. You could be an interior design influencer. You could be a food influencer. Whatever the thing is that you're interested in, if you do it at the peak and and, and follow. Honestly, that documentary also taught me some tips in, in a way. Yeah. About like gaming. Because it is money to be made. Yeah. So sure. if you learn how to manipulate the system, you can milk some money out of that. Even though you don't have to do it as crazy as some people are doing it. They're getting fucking uh, paid trips. One of the one of the shit. craziest things that they said was like, you pre- it, with social media in order to become an influencer, you pretend to be famous at something. Yeah. Or you pretend to get free stuff with the goal of eventually actually getting free stuff. Yeah. So you just make it look like you're living this crazy life where you get all this stuff all the time. And then eventually they just give you the stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's like I was saying, like I look like when I, when I like I said I was looked at it just modeling. I didn't, I didn't look at it as oh they're living this lavish. I didn't, I, I never looked at it that way. Yeah, I never looked at it like oh they're you trying to perceive like model they're living a, this this crazy lifestyle. They can just the, drink. They're wine. not targeting you. And I just thought it was just they yeah, just taking pictures like, oh, as a model. This is like a nice picture. Yeah, they're I never like, thought no. it was like oh no they trying to. They want you to think I live in this mansion and somebody pouring me champagne. I never thought of when I looked at that because you're not the target. That's crazy. The same thing when they talked about Kim Kardashian and like how. She got accused or they did a study and it was like probably about 10 million of Kim Kardashian's followers are fake. So they won't destroy the fake followers because it'll affect famous people too. So they just let everybody rock. Yeah. So everybody has fake followers and like, people that are the most famous got a whole bunch of fake followers and that's now an ecosystem of economy. It's companies See, that got sell fake followers. Oh and yeah. Got, but you're not paying I, for them. I know. Yeah. So, so it's people now, the companies that sell fake followers are worth money. Worth Crazy. 10, 20 million dollars. Why I think it all? So it's because. all these different economies within Instagram that are making money. It's crazy, bro. It's 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 one of the most interesting documentaries I've seen in a while. Off of something that you would think is like, I don't give a shit about Instagram and what people are doing. But when you see how much money people are making and what's going on, it's so fascinating. Can't recommend Fake Famous enough. Yeah. Loved it. And I love that black dude. He was great. Yeah. Because I'm like a fashion icon. You know, I'm, I just love the way he talked. I love the other that. dude, I could relate a little bit because he was just had anxiety. Yeah, because he got terrified. Yeah. Imagine waking up one day and you go from like 2,000 followers to 20,000 followers. And I didn't even think about the idea that people around him are like, wait, why are you, why are you blowing up, up all of a sudden yeah, and yeah, yeah. Pay, posting more? Like, are you buying followers? And then you get that, that DM and you're like, oh, shit. No, nah, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, fuck it. You know, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all. It's all. I'm like, you mind your fucking business. That's what I would say. Yeah. Don't be all of my shit. Well, clearly that dude. Now you doing too much. That dude was timid. You know, he's he. Was but that dude, who 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 are you to message me? <laughs> why, are you, like, why are you watching yeah. my Instagram? He like, I keep an eye on you. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. nah, dog. Yeah, no, nah, fuck all that, bro. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I was enjoying. I was having some salmon croquettes and just enjoying that fake famous documentary. Man, much love. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I before we get out of here, I I watched The Witcher. Loved it. What is that Finally about? got around to watching The Witcher. It's it's based on a video game. Oh yeah, I heard about that. That's with right. uh, yeah, the yeah. dude that plays Superman. Yeah, and I loved it. It was like six, seven episodes. Great. Hmm. It's like low budget Game of Thrones, hmm. but good, but good. captivating okay. in that same kind of way, like medieval fights, swords, blood, Ooh. demons. 
It's on very HBO Max? It's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've been, I've been watching stuff on HBO Max. I oh, HBO, HBO Max, Max is full of great stuff. I love it. Except Justice League. I thought it was just okay. But everybody's acting like it's it the second coming now. Yeah. Uh, what about, what happened to you? When is oh, it's coming back. back. It's coming when? back at some point. It takes too damn long, man. Well, you know, COVID fucked everything up, bro. True. Remember, I mean, in Fake Famous, they kind of run into COVID. Oh, yes, yeah, right. That's so interesting that's right. to see that. Also, yeah. you should check out, now I'm just talking to you, but you guys stick around. Yeah. Last Chance You Basketball on Netflix. I'm going to get into it's that. It's great. Yeah, it's I'm going to really get into yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it, I got it really on my saved good. list. I'm it's really that. fucking good. It's yeah. really fucking good. If anybody listening is into basketball, yeah. there's a story about the junior college route of basketball scholarships and everything yeah, that's, that's next on my list it's really fucking good last chance you and uh yeah you know what let's get up out of here i've been alvin williams joined as always by my partner in true crime franco evans and we'll see you guys next week Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park